you are listening to Ouija Broad's 100th episode spectacular. <laughs> you don't have anything good because I'm watching you. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is lit. Just try again. No, I did it perfect. God damn it. This is Devin. <laughs> this, is, this is Devin. And we're going to record this in chunks and we're in the same place and it's we really are. exciting. It's also really weird when you mm-hmm. go from recording an episode in two different places where I'm looking at the wall, where I'm touching my butt, where I'm playing with whatever's on the desk. Now I'm just touching her butt, looking and at the wall. Now she's touching my butt, and the wall is in on it too. It's really weird to be able to see Liz sitting over there judging me. Mm-hmm. But we had a good day. We've had a good trip. We went to a historic cemetery. We had nachos. Mm-hmm. We uh, Well, we went to Roslyn's Museum, such yeah. as it is, which is... Kind of set up like any dusty old antique shop. Yeah, except you can't touch things. You can't touch things. Yeah, we touched a few things. I feel like every place in Roslyn had a lot of cool shit that I was knocking off shelves with my butt and or purse. Oh my god, guys, her purse is so big. I'm like, didn't they have hoop skirts in the 19th century? <laughs> Wouldn't this have been a consideration? I don't think they had museums here in the in the 19th century. I guess I was just assuming that the reason everything was so close together is because the buildings were old-timey size. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. We had a lot of different ideas for what we should do for this. Mm-hmm. So we're going to cover a lot of different stuff. Favorites, top 10 lists, mm-hmm. answering questions. Mm-hmm. What else were we going to do? Oh, favorites and top 10 lists are what I really remember. We also were going yeah. to do some episodes that are either too small or mm-hmm. we lost steam on really digging into research-wise. But yeah. we still think are worth kind of a shout-out so we can do a little amalgamation of of baby bite-sized episode topics. Word. I like that. Do you want to do that now? Are you ready for that? Or? Yeah, let's do that now. I, I've okay. got two. Okay. Uh, I have some too. It's like a mix of ones that are too short, and so we're not going to do them, and ones that we're not going to do for other reasons. Yeah. Other yeah. reasons being that, hey, that was racist, or hey, that's appropriative, or hey, that's mm-hmm. really sad. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. We'll tell you all the things, but then we'll have at least mentioned them. And if they're your jam and you feel emotionally ready to go engage with that, you totally can. Yeah, exactly. All right. Totally can. One story that I originally thought I would do and then have updated as a not do is the story of Lyle Stevick. Okay. Who in 2001, he died from suicide in a Amanda Park, Washington motel. Okay. So Lyle Stevick was not his real name. There was a character in a novel called that, or maybe he just like pulled it out of something. Yeah. And his identity was a mystery for a really long time. They were able to figure out a surprising amount of, about him because you know they figured out that he had died really early so they have very realistic good pictures of him okay and they had his wallet and all this kind of stuff so it was so strange that they couldn't figure out who this guy was totally but in 2018 17 years after he had died the DNA Doe Project did identify him oh wow and his relatives requested that his identity not be shared what? And they didn't want to talk about it very much. And okay. I think because he had been so mysterious, I think he had almost gotten like a Somerton man kind of like, was he a spy? Did something okay. wild happen? 
No, he was just a young man, and he died from suicide, and it's sad, and his family's sad. And so I didn't want to do a whole episode on that because now that it's resolved, there's not a lot to speculate about, Mm -hmm. and I kind of wanted to respect the privacy factor because it is such that, like, if you really, really dig, you can find out anything. Yeah. But I didn't want to give it a whole hour of time. Oh, that's very kind. That's one, yeah. I mean, it was it was a good mystery when it was a mystery because it was so strange. Yeah. I wish that the family had resolved a little bit about why he went unidentified for so long. Yeah. But I know probably whatever it was was really fucking sad. So right. I understand why they didn't want to. Right. Uh, yeah. And now you've got mm-hmm. me wanting to speculate now, which was the whole reason why we weren't going to do a whole episode on it because mm-hmm. I don't need to speculate Yeah. why a man that young would have... Mm-hmm. gone unknown gone missing gone mm-hmm. unidentified all these things yeah well, that's fucking sad yeah sorry i'll start us out with a bummer here i'll start you uh with a weird one that's it's not a bummer it's just kind of one of those funny old things so i found this click hole article mm-hmm. you know that was like 10 zaniest laws in your state <laughs> something like that and it's talking about washington state laws so there's Uh, an old law or an old RCW on the books that I suppose it's still there because why why would you spend Mm -hmm. bureaucratic time revising something that's so not even anachronistic, just pointless, I imagine now. But anyway, uh, I don't know what happened to make this a law in the first place, but it is illegal in Everett, Washington to hypnotize someone and then display them to the public while they are hypnotized. Interesting. Uh, It's code 9.24.010, hypnotism unlawful. And it reads, it is unlawful for any hypnotist or mesmerist or any other person to exhibit or display or permit to be exhibited or display any subject of any hypnotist or mesmerist or any person while under the influence of or alleged influence of hypnotism or mesmerism in any window or public place outside of the hall or theater where such hypnotist or mesmerist is giving his entertainment or exhibition. Oh, so you can do it. You just can't take them outside. You can do it. You just can't take them outside. You can't put that. You cannot display them in a window. Specifically in this law is like, you don't get to go in like the JCPenney department store window as a hypnotized person. Was this a big problem? I don't know. It must have been. I like to imagine some legislator had a really specific fear. <laughs> Of being made to do something ridiculous and do it in public. And they're like, I'm going to make this against the law. It's, against the law. It's, so, it's really against the law. The penalty is $500 or six months in jail. Whoa. You could spend six months in jail for like, you know, doing the pocket watch in front of someone uh-huh. and then putting them in front of the world's worth department store. Wow. And they didn't just ban hypnotism no. in general. No. Magicians are apparently still legal. But you can't take that outside the fire exit. Nope. It has wow. to stay within the confines of your theater or hall. Which makes me think, you know, theater or hall. Like, this sounds old-timey. This sounds mm-hmm. like something that's been on the books since 1900, maybe 1880. Love it. Okay. Love it. But there you go. It's not that hypnotism is unlawful, so that's a misleading title, clickhole article. Yeah. But it's that you can't hypnotize me and then display me. I appreciate that. It's, you know, yeah. they're looking out for my best interests. Well, it sounds like you can't display somebody or take them to a second location. 
oh, the plot thickens. Yeah. There you go. Which is, I'm like, was this a regular part of an act that you would take somebody out in public and make them embarrass themselves? Or was there some kind of strange scandal where people would be like, oh, I was banging this magician. I was banging this magician because he hypnotized me Thursday and said to come back Sunday when my husband was at church. That's what happened. And, And I did it. And the husband was a legislator yeah. and was like, well, I know how to shut this shit down. <laughs> Let me bring my might. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Bizarre. Bizarre. There you go. But that was, I, you know, because of this clickhole article, I thought, well, this is going to be weird. We're going to talk yeah. about how you can't be a magician in Washington State. No, that was the extent of it. And it's still on the books. So Specifically in Everett. Yep. Specifically in Everett. Tiny wow. little thing that's. Worth mentioning, but I'm not going to spin into 30 minutes of episode. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Want me to do one because you did the last one? Yeah. I never feel the need to do more with Rachel Dolezal <laughs> than mention her right here, right now. <laughs> because although she's the kind of person that if I had the opportunity to talk to her, I would probably take it mm-hmm. just out of interest. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Anything that still needs to be said about Rachel Dolezal should not be said by a white lady. That's super fair, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super fair. There was a pretty good article in The Stranger where Ijeoma Aluo interviewed Rachel. Okay. And that'd be worth reading. Yeah, read that. You don't need my take on it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was the whole point, wasn't it? Was yeah. that it was a white woman, even though she was championing for black rights, for women's mm-hmm. rights, for whatever, she was still taking up space that could have gone to an actual woman of color who had actually lived those experiences. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I won't do the same. That's all we have to say about her. All right. There was a story that I made into an entire episode to tell you, and I for whatever reason, it just totally lost my interest at the time, dude. It was about the pig war. And I, I was going to title this article, apparently, according to my old notes, Pig News. So I'm Okay, well, I'm pretty, glad you had that squared away. Yeah, I had that, <laughs> I had that ready to go for you. But the pig war was the last, or I guess most recent, land war with, uh, with England on American soil. So this is, this is a pig war, and it's a little squabble that almost started an international incident. And this is going to be kind of halfway between not enough information to make a whole episode out of it and enough information that I should stop talking now and save it for another day. But we'll go with it. It started in 1846 when America and England signed the Oregon Treaty, and that's what set the boundary between the U.S. and Canada at the 49th parallel. 5440 or fight! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hold that out of your ass. Yep. God. <laughs> yeah, ninth grade history class. Mm, so good. Well, because you live in the Pacific Northwest, you know where it gets fucking hairy as shit is over in the Puget Sound, where it's, mm-hmm. nothing's along a parallel. I mean, it's just this, like, jumble of pickup sticks of islands. Yeah, like somebody dropped a bunch of mashed potatoes on the so floor. many fucking mashed potatoes. Dude. So at the time, the 49th parallel... So it goes west, it goes over the Rocky Mountains, and on the maps they said, oh, okay, so it goes, kind of dips it down a little bit to go under Vancouver Island and then up. So Vancouver Island, you're obviously British. 
But depending on who's drawing the map is depending on I'm air showing you with my finger, which you can see this time, and you usually do it can't. In a squiggly U shape. A little squiggly U shape. The treaty specifically says the border will be through, quote, the middle of the channel separating the continent from Vancouver's island. But if you look at a map that's so incredibly not straightforward, because what you've got right the fuck in the way is San Juan Island. Oops. Oops. It, it kind of Tetris pieces with Vancouver. So there's, there's really no clarity in that language. Does the line then go through... San Juan, does it go around San Juan and give it to the British? Does it go around San Juan up the channel and give it to America? How half-assed were they doing this treaty that they forgot about the island that they couldn't draw a line through? So fucking half-assed. I mean, it's, you know, it's 18-whatever-the-fuck, right? And they're making this decision in London and in Washington, D.C. about a territory in the 1840s that none of them have ever been to. They probably, no white man has ever been to these little islands Mm -hmm. yet. But so what happens is all the people there are like, well, we're 30 or so white settlers from America who've already been living on this island. And then there's 30, well, more like 100 British people living on the island too because you've got the Hudson Hudson Bay Company that's already up there. And all the people that are living there are going, like, we kind of don't care. We're going to keep doing our settler thing, but it would be nice to know. It would be really nice to know who claims this land. So you've got England and the U.S. both going... Well, we claim it, of course. Whoops. <laughs> Obviously. That's the entire point of a treaty is to clear this stuff up beforehand. Oh my god, you would think, right? No, just a huge fucking clusterfuck. And it becomes a problem in 1859. Because that's when you've got this Hudson Bay Company man, Charles Griffin, who's really known for having these pigs that he lets roam around the island. And one of the pigs, probably not the first time, but one of the pigs gets into an American man, Lyman Cutler's yard. And it starts eating Lyman's potatoes. (gasps) And you don't fuck with Lyman's potatoes. It's not well known, but it's assumed that this isn't the first time the pig has gotten into Lyman Cutler's yard. Because he's so pissed off about it, he shoots the pig dead. I mean, I feel like that's fair. (laughs) When the pig is in my, like, I mean, was it like a yard or was it like he he had 400 acres? I assume, I assume it's probably a pretty small yard. I don't know. I can shoot your pig from my front porch and it's eating the food I need to get through the winter. Fuck it. The pig's part of what I'm getting through the winter on now. (laughs) Watch your fucking pig. Well, I'm just well, going to make things balance out. You're very American. And Get my potatoes back. <laughs> what shit, dude? <laughs> See, that's you're very apropos because basically it, word gets out that Cutler shot Griffin's pig. And Griffin comes up to him and he's like, fuck you. The fuck you doing? And Griffin goes, uh, your pig was eating my potatoes. And the, the story goes that Griffin replied, it's up to you to keep your potatoes out of my pig. I would, if he hadn't come on so strong, I would be like, hey, I cured this ham. You can have, like, part of the pig back. I'll, yeah. go, I'll, I'll go have these. Yeah. Yeah, I've done the work for you. Yeah. And next time one of your pigs comes in, you I know. keep it. Yeah. Nine-tenths of the lot. Possession. Exactly. It's on my dirt patch. Now now the policy is clear for everyone. What happens to your pig? I think that Cutler may have been... 
like a Pisces on a bad day <laughs> because he does what I would have done, which okay. is he's like, okay, well, I'll pay you 10 bucks. Have okay. a pig back and I'll pay you $10. And you're super Scorpio going mm-hmm. like, no, I'm going to benefit out of your yeah. fucking mistake. Yeah. We'll raise the stakes every time you fuck up for No, he tries to give him money. Griffin says, uh, no, how dare you? I'm in a tattletale. So he goes and tells the British fort, the, the British military, and they threaten to arrest Cutler for shooting Griffin's pig. Well, this is hilarious because I'm pretty sure that you had more rights to shoot a person who was eating potatoes right? out of your yard than this, than this pig. Right? Well, they wanted a dick-waving contest, and a dick-waving contest this became. Because you've got the British authorities saying, we're going to arrest the American. You've only got 30 Americans on the island, but they're all like pitchfork, axed, yeah. fucking rifled up, being like the hell you are. And the American settlers are worried about British retaliation. So they send a message down to mainland, you know, because still, mm-hmm. they're on a tiny little island. They send it down to the very anti-British General William S. Harney, who's the commander of the Department of Oregon. He hates the British, and he gets this message saying that the British are fucking with my American boys. Well, I'm going to send a 66-man company of soldiers up to restore order. So the 9th Infantry goes to San Juan on July 27th, 1859, to try to even it out. Well, no, the governor of B.C. sees that Americans are sending troops to San Juan, and they're like, hey, this is the king's soil. Remember, we own it, according to us. So... No, I'm going to send three warships in to train them on your military guys. Fucking peasants. Mm -hmm. Blow you out of the water. Whatever. Just both sides are like, this keeps going on. Both sides just keep like adding. And, you know, now I have a machine gun. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, now I have two machine guns and a cannon. This was inspiration for the Butter Battle Book. This was totally the Butter Battle Book. Had to have been. But finally... We get Admiral Robert Baines, who's commander-in-chief of the British Navy. He rolls up, and the the governor of B.C. says, shoot these motherfuckers. (laughs) And Admiral Baines is like, excuse me. He says, uh, famously quoted as saying, he will not, quote, involve two great nations in a war over a squabble about a pig. Okay, so how many people and back and forth later we found somebody... Going, sorry, what? Yeah. This makes no sense. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah, we finally have a dude after months of mm-hmm. different, like, territorial armies piling on the guys. Washington, D.C., and London have no fucking clue what's happening in the Oregon Territory in 1859. Mm-mm. But now because you have some big players over there who's sending messages back to them. But it would take so long. It would take so long. And that's that's what they're doing. They're just, like, fucking supermarket sweeping all all the military guys around them onto their sides as this thing gets bigger and bigger out of proportion until Washington and London hear it. And they're like, stop. What? Oh my God, what are you doing? This is an international incident. Why would you do that? So President Buchanan sends uh, a general over to say, N-n-n-n-n. no, no, governor of BC and, and whoever the fuck is governing the Oregon Territory right now, let's cool it. What we're going to do is we each get 100 men that can live on the island. Brits, you go north. Americans, you go south. You stay in your little camps. You fucking chill the fuck out. We'll figure it out. London and DC will figure it out. There is going to be no war. There's going to be no bloodshed. Please stop doing this, boys with toys that are giant warships. Just calm down. But what about the pigs? 
where did the pigs have to be? How many pigs can be on the island? I would have banned pigs. Like so much magician and Everett. I would have been like, no pigs, no potatoes. You ruined it. You ruined it. Now no one can have pigs and potatoes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no one. They don't negotiate that, Liz. They don't care. Then they've lost sight of the purpose of this exercise. (laughs) They failed. They failed mightily. No, what they did was for 12 years. For 12 years, you've got 100 British guys in one fort. You've got 100 American guys in another fort. After the dust settles, they're homies. They go to each other's forts for holidays. They send each other gifts like one fort will have too much venison, so they'll send the other fort some venison. They'll, like, get together and play poker together. For 12 fucking years, these forts are, like... Through the Civil War. Through the Civil War. This is... This uh, goes through the Civil War... It goes through North American British authorities are always trying to get London to seize the Pacific Northwest. This goes all the way till 1871 when it's finally uh, German Emperor Wilhelm I who at the Geneva Convention marks the line putting San Juan in American control entirely. Well, so the pig war ends with no human bloodshed, no human, no shots exchanged against other humans. Just the one casualty was the one pig and a couple of potatoes. And now San Juan Island National Historic Park apparently is the only place, only national park in the U.S. where a foreign flag is regularly raised. So we we raise an American flag and we also raise a Union Jack. It's kind of cute. As like a, haha, we're still buddies with you guys. Huh. No hard feelings. No hard feelings. Yeah. I wonder if the guy had hard feelings though about his pig and the guy had hard feelings about his potatoes. I bet they had really hard feelings. I would have banished those guys. I, I would have been yeah. like, you can have a hundred people each on this island, but you guys are done. Oh yeah. Cutler, you lost your chance. Whatever, Griffin, mm-hmm. go back to being a lord elsewhere. Yeah. You clearly can't handle living in this kind of overlook hotel. Yeah. Super tight survival yeah. situation with only a few people and ambiguous yeah. laws. So yeah. you're done. Go back to Chicago or whatever. <sighs> Man, all that for a pig. All that for a pig. All that for potatoes. For potatoes. Yeah, but probably was much more of a life and death thing at that point. I'm sure it was a really big deal. And also it would be that like neighbor thing where you're like, for serious, how many times do I have to ask you to not let Mm. your dog crap in my yard? Yeah. How many times? A hundred. I'm stuck on this island with you. Fuck you. I'm just done with it. Right. And it's not like it's like a little piglet going mm-hmm. and like eating like some little, it's like a thousand pound hog. Oh my God. Ruining all yes. the hard work. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. Just fucking blundering his big ass in there, rooting around, eating your shit. You know, those things are mean. Mm. The That's pig a war. good one. That's a good one. The pig war. There you go. Okay. I don't have that much of an exciting story for my next one. Good. It's- I don't have a next one. Okay. Well, then I won't feel so bad. (laughs) Uh, Another story that I am aware of and comes up, but I don't feel like doing, is Billy Tipton. And Billy Tipton was a jazz musician who, after Billy died, was revealed that Billy had been assigned a female gender. Mm -hmm. And you can tell by the way I'm 
measuring my words <laughs> that as a cis yeah. woman, I'm very uncomfortable putting 21st century labels. I'm, I'm uncomfortable putting labels on anybody who's in that space and is living their truth, right. but especially 21st century labels on right. somebody who clearly... The one thing you can tell about Billy is Billy did not want his business all over the fucking newspaper. Totally. And so since I wouldn't do an episode about Billy as a jazz musician, I don't want to do an episode about Billy as a gender nonconforming person because it wasn't like a... Ha, fuck you. I'm, you know, transgressing these boundaries in a public way. And I am willing to take the heat for that. It's somebody who, when they got sick Mm -hmm. and when, when they died, this became everybody's business and it should have been nobody's business. Yeah. Or as a jazz musician would put it, ain't nobody's business, but his own. So. Fucking well said, dude. (laughs) So that's all I have to say about Billy Tipton. I love Um, that. Yeah. Well, in a similar musician category, so I'm a big fan of old movies, Mm -hmm. and some of my favorite movies are what we might call problematic faves, where I really like some of the musical numbers, and some of them are beyond racist, and so we don't watch those. Like most art before a certain time period, or even 21st century, I'm not going to put it in front of somebody without any context or warning. Yeah. But I can still appreciate that Fred Astaire is a good dancer. Right. And I can appreciate that Bing Crosby was a great crooner. And right. was very influential as 20th century artist. But his legacy has been so tainted mm-hmm. by the accusations of child abuse mm-hmm. that I don't want to have to engage with that. Bing Crosby, great crooner, actually innovated a lot of vocal techniques. Mm -hmm. The reason why he was the crooner he was is because he was actually a decent engineer in terms of microphones and not just having to belt it to the back row like Al Jolson or somebody. Okay. And because that's how like Ethel Merman and Mm -hmm. those old, their voice would just be bouncing off the bricks at the back. Like he had to do that. And he came in right at the right time in the right place to be able to use a more sophisticated sound system and therefore use a different part of his vocal range and modulate his voice differently. So when Bing was seven, his real name is Harry Lillis Crosby. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume Lillis was a family name. Mm-hmm. But the spokesman was running a comic that was called the Bingville Bugle, which was like a parody newspaper okay. about like hillbillies. Oh, and he thought it was really funny. And a neighbor was like, oh, that's great. This kid loves this thing. I'm going to call him Bingo from Bingville. <laughs> And eventually they stopped calling him Bingo and just called him Bing. Bing. So that's why he was Bing. Okay. And Liz, was was Bing Crosby born in Spokane? Or why would we have talked about him? Oh, yeah. Uh, He was actually born in Tacoma in 1903. But in 1906, his family moved to Spokane. In 1913, his father built a house on Sharp Avenue, which is now part of the Gonzaga campus and is a museum that has artifacts from his life and career. So the Bing Crosby house is now a Bing Crosby museum. He was what they call the first multimedia star. Somebody who can at the same time be at the top of the charts in terms of like record sales, but also motion pictures. Somebody who can win Grammys. Yeah, exactly. He can win Grammys and Oscars. Yeah, I see. That kind of thing. I didn't Uh, know he was the first. That's cool. Yeah, and he was famous for... A couple things. Uh, He had 
uh, a voice that was, like I was saying, very different from what other people were doing at the time. I think people found it very sexy. He, I will give him credit that he was less racist than many stars of the 30s and 40s. So for instance, when he was working with Louis Armstrong, who was an influence. Yeah. (laughs) they were gonna not give Armstrong equal billing and Crosby said okay then I'm not doing the movie oh that's great so yeah way to way to use your your clout to do something cool yeah it's like when Marilyn Monroe was like every night yeah Yeah. if, if you play Ella Fitzgerald I'll be in the front fucking row exactly so he made more money than any entertainer in history had up to that oh, point okay. he was he he absolute a list okay. guy uh and so I think he's best known right now for a couple things. White Christmas, mm-hmm. which was <laughs> because of the crossover thing. First, he sang it just on like a radio show because he was the kind of guy who would do like a Christmas special gotcha. on the radio. Yeah. And then they liked it. So when they did Holiday Inn, he sings it in Holiday Inn. Okay. And then they were like, cool, do it again. And also recorded a White Christmas movie later. But yeah. later in his life, more known for like the Road to movies with Bob Hope. Yeah. Like Road to Morocco, Road to Zanzibar. Yeah. As sort of this like sexy laid back guy yeah. versus Bob Hope, sort of more like high strung nervous guy. Yeah. I know which one I am and which one you are. (laughs) (laughs) You would probably, I think most people who have heard him at all these days, other than White Christmas, would have heard him in the Disney thing, Ichabod. Um, Mm, I don't know that one. You don't know this one? Well, I mean, yeah, I remember that in the the cartoon, but who does, I don't know what he does in that. Oh, he sings it. What? He sings it? No, I hate it. You don't know this at all? I don't know this and I don't like it. All right. This horseman. No. My personal favorite of things that he did was a really trippy as shit. It was, it was his last TV appearance. 1977, he duets mm. The Little Drummer Boy with David Bowie. And there's, oh. like, a, a weird-as-shit part where, like, there there's, like, a little skit where David Bowie's yeah. acting like he's coming in out of the snow and they just spontaneously decide to sing a song together at the piano. Oh, dear. Oh, It's very dear. strange. This is so we'll watch weird. It. And, I mean, Bing is, like, 75 yeah. at this point. Yeah, he's no... No spring chicken at this point. (sighs) Well, there you go. Those are two problematic white men to talk about their relationships with others. All in one place. So, yeah, huge, huge star. Right. But he had a lot of controversy later in his life because after he died, his oldest son wrote a a memoir called Going My Own Way because... Bing had a song and probably a movie because they would be like, people will come see this movie because he had the star. Yeah. He had this song called yeah. Going My Way and he basically accused him of some pretty heinous abuse and the younger kids said, no, that didn't happen or it was okay, we were brought up that way. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where you're like, to some degree you can't put 21st century parenting standards yeah. on other people. But yeah. on the other hand, don't beat your kids. But don't beat your kids is mm-hmm. right. 
That's never been a good idea. And if you couldn't figure that out, the fuck is wrong with you? Exactly. Anyway. But yeah, he went to Gonzaga. His house is on the Gonzaga campus. There's a statue of him there. And uh, I listen to his stuff every Christmas. But I don't think he probably had the most savory parenting choices. Right. Right. That's your Bing Crosby episode. There you go. (laughs) Oh, the Rajneeshis. Were yeah. one. I prepped a whole thing on them. I yeah. have so much research on them. Yeah. And you know what? Netflix scooped you. They did, but also I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And so go watch Wild Wild Country on yeah. Netflix and then read a couple critiques of Wild Wild Country. But basically the short version is that this transcendental cult led by this guy from India who was the guru took over a small town in Oregon. Yeah. And took over sounds sort of like xenophobic, but it was a very deliberate strategy. They yeah. they realized that if they strategically moved people in, including like homeless people that they just kind of put on buses and dragged in to, yeah. to outnumber other voters, yeah. that they could make this their own place and make their own laws. And so they're most famous for an attempted voter suppression thing where they contaminated a salsa bar at a taco time yeah. in order to keep people who weren't them from getting to the polls. Yeah. A taco time still has an open salsa bar, as we've discussed. <laughs> I will say, taco time is really changing its model. Seattle is kind of the start of it, but they are uh, most... Or taco time is trending toward 100% compostable. Wow. Uh, no open salsa bar. When I ask for my dipping sauce, it comes to me in a pre-sealed little container, hmm. which is also compostable. So taco time's really trying to uh, up its class factor and distance itself from, hey, a little bit of salmonella in the honey mustard yeah. goes a long way. 40 years later. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, check out Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Knock yourself out. It's a can't even do justice to it. I think is part of the reason I was having right. a hard time with it. Is right. it's the kind of thing where it starts out like every like every commune. People are feeling good, and then all of a sudden, yeah. there's a lot of rules about what colors of clothes you can yeah. wear and who you can have sex with. Hint: the guy in charge. Him. Only and him. there's people injecting each other and with yeah. stuff in secret underground bunkers. And it's a good story, but it's not a us story at this point. So right. go enjoy. There you go. Similarly, the butter crime, which is when during the Great Depression, two off-duty, extremely dirty cops went to go rob a creamery mm-hmm. because butter was very, very precious at the time. And in the commission of this crime killed another cop who was off duty who was moonlighting as a security guard and the cover-up of that made it one of the oldest i think it was for a while the oldest cold case in the country no because they chucked the gun off that bridge that's right by um you know where anthony's is and like the washington water power building and stuff oh yeah so it's it's between monroe mm-hmm. and downtown i think basically. it's the post street bridge is it post right? street bridge yeah it's a oh, it's an old bridge you're right it is the post street bridge yes yeah. the post street bridge even when it was under construction it fell down and bad took fucking people juju it. it's a bad juju bridge but yeah they were like no one will ever find this it's, it's like between some falls and some other falls. Yeah. But 
Tony Bamante, who we've talked about a lot on the yeah. show and has written several historical books and published more on behalf of other authors, was the sheriff of, I think, Pondere County. Okay. And he was doing his master's degree, and he decided to write a thesis about all the other sheriffs of Pondere County. Came across this crime, and this was in the 70s, so the depression was not so far away that the people who had been involved were all gone. So he tracked all this shit down, interviewed people, and eventually, when Washington Water Power had the falls turned off, went and found the gun. No way. Very true. God. Yeah. So there's two versions of this that you can check out that I think are both decent. I think if you're looking for a podcast version, I think the dollop did okay for guys that aren't from here. Okay. And I mean, the sheer fact that they decided to do this at a Seattle live show is like, really? Seattle, Spokane, just same thing to you? Exactly. They don't know how to pronounce anything. It's terrible. But Timothy Egan wrote Mm -hmm. a book about it called Breaking Blue. Because the concept is that there's this fraternity of law enforcement officers who have come together to conceal the murder of another one. And then you have Tony, who's also in this fraternity, but is saying, no, it ends here. We're not doing this anymore. It's wild to me that this story happened and this guy also wrote the book that we used for the Manitou episode. Oh, God. He's a good researcher. Really good researcher. Terrier with a bone, man. He just, like, picks something and goes, nope, I'm going to mine that until it's dry. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is fucking cool. But also, those are so separate topic-wise. It's Well, I guess it, it, yeah, it has to do with your research skills. Yeah. Your interview skills, so. You and him on Raleigh Faulkner, we could crack that shit. Let's see. Rachel Dolezal, Lyle Stavik, Billy Tipton, Pig War, Rich Nishi, Bing Crosby, torture psychologists, um, two of the people who inspired a lot of the really unfortunate and mm-hmm. should be illegal, and some of it is, stuff mm-hmm. that we do to detainees and prisoners are from Spokane, mm-hmm. and it's just an embarrassment, yeah. and there's no way to... There's nothing interesting or funny to say about that no i don't want to joke about that frankly Mm -hmm. i don't want to hear about it exactly Um, i feel like the only thing that could be funny in it is just how appalling it is and i that's not the vibe right that's not our vibe right uh similarly the internment camps i think there's a story of a guy who lived in spokane that i found through spokane historical that i might do sometime okay who resisted internment and Hmm. all the stuff that he was doing as like this really cool community activist. Okay. And that might be a good story. Yeah. But there's many good resources on the Japanese internment camps that you can check out by researchers who will do a better job. Right. That was 10. Boom. Boom. Wait, was it 11? Because we also had uh, the magician in there. No, I Magicians is listed as number 10 on the list. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Here you go. 10 stories that we aren't going to do that we apparently just did. <laughs> 10 stories we weren't going to give their own episode, but some yeah. of them got a little bit in here. Yeah. Thank you. Let's come back and talk about another segment that we thought of where we're going to talk about our favorite episodes. <laughs> favorite episodes that we have done ourselves and our favorite episodes that we have told the other person. Yeah. Wait, that's the same thing. You know what I mean, though? I'm going to tell you about the favorite episodes I've heard from Liz and the favorite episodes that I've given to Liz. And I want to note that 
I'm drinking out of a Mount Marathon commemorative teacup that Devin got me. Because I'm fucking badass at thrift shops. Because <laughs> I'm fucking badass at thrift stores. Yeah, she is. It's a surprising hidden talent. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's one of your favorites that I've done? There's something wrong with that Diet Coke. Okay, stop drinking it. No, I want to keep doing it. <laughs> Put it away or you're going to drink it again. Uh, you're right. One of my favorites. So I have four favorites, oh. and I know that I was supposed to narrow it down to three. You're too nice. But... So I'll start with the the fourth one. It's it's Raleigh Faulkner. Oh, because I think that's where you really hit your research stride. There was mm-hmm. so much to unpack there. You mm-hmm. did so much original research. I could tell how engaged you were, and it's just a fucking bizarre story. It is. That is a, a trippy rabbit hole. The first time I went really hard on like primary source yeah. research instead of retelling somebody else's stuff. I think yeah, Manitou kind of, but yeah, yeah, I dig it. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay, well, so I'll tell you my number three so that then we can okay. more accurately call in response here. But it's it's one of your most recent ones, the Witch's Castle. Witch's Castle is one of my favorites on my list. It's so fucking just a spooky-ass former shithouse, my friend. And that's good enough for us. <laughs> and that's good enough for us. Yeah. Not only was it the most quotable, I think it was one of those where in recording... You and I just fucking hit the right energy level at the same time, mm-hmm. which is incredibly difficult to do. It is. And I know it's not that exciting to listen to people bitch about this kind of stuff. Yeah. But because of life and work and other commitments, right. often we're coming to this at like the end of the day. Yeah. Usually any time during like my lunch break or anything that I was trying yeah. to get research done, somebody yeah. came in and needed me. Yeah. And there's always a bunch of crises because when you're five and your mommy might not be right there, mm-hmm. you have to have a problem so that she can fix it for mm-hmm. you and you can be reassured you're not going to left, get left behind to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Yeah. So often I'm coming into it with completely the wrong energy, but that was good. For me, doing the editing, which I don't know if people know that that's the setup, but I just... They should know that Liz does the editing because it is a fucking part... It's not a part-time job. It's a full-time job on its own. Mm. And you do it all. Holy shit, dude. It's a lot. Sometimes. And sometimes it's just a matter of clipping out where we've coughed or Mm -hmm. had to start a sentence over or a siren went by. And some episodes, I think it's especially when we're tired, we go on a lot of digressions or we have a hard time saying what we're trying to say. So we get there like the third try. (laughs) It's not concise. You've got to edit out the first two, but you don't know they're the first two until you get to the third one. So yeah, there's some that what you hear is 99% what we said when we taped it. And there's some where literally it's 50%. Yeah. And if there's anything else good in there, it's up on the Patreon as outtakes. But even then, there's just stuff that's not good. No, cutting room floor all the way, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I swear you're not missing a a dang thing. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't think I could ever, genuinely don't think I could do this as a live show. I have (laughs) such a hard time coming up usually with the word that I want to say when I want to say it anyway. But then the pressure of, Mm -hmm. it's hard enough knowing I'm, being recorded and I get really self-conscious and I psych myself out but if I had to be funny in front of an audience or I had to be smart or I even mm-hmm. just had to be fucking concise in front of an audience it's not going to happen yeah 
And I think we also have some rules for ourselves that people may or may not have picked up on. Like we try not to call things crazy, either as like a superlative or pejorative. Mm -hmm. We try not to talk too far out of our asses on certain topics that are sensitive. And we try not to use like, you know, came up in the Jimmy Marks episode. Like there's certain terms that you might encounter, but we try not to use them. But... I don't want to be one of those people that's like, to make a comedy, you can't have limits. But sometimes you will go down a comedic route and then be like, oh, okay, I said that great, except I said crazy in the middle of it. Exactly. And I'm trying to edit that out of my language, and I haven't succeeded yet. Yes. So I feel better being able to give it a clean take and not do that. Exactly. Exactly. I wish life worked more like that. Oh, God, there are so many times. Mm-hmm. Or if I could just back up five seconds, Uh I'd still be employed. Whatever. (laughs) One of my favorites of yours was a very early one. And it actually is interspersed with Raleigh Faulkner is your DB Cooper coverage. (laughs) That's on my list. That's on your list too? Yep, that's my number three of five or of my three favorite episodes I've said. That's awesome. Will you tell me why you liked that one for you? It was the first one where I felt like I was doing a a solid job researching, but it wasn't, you know, our very first episode mm-hmm. where it literally took me two weeks to research and mm-hmm. um, I didn't have a handle on how long was a good amount of time to spend researching and yeah. deep diving. So I had a good handle on research. I pulled in a lot of sources for that. I felt like I sounded like I was in charge of the narrative mm-hmm. upon re-listen um, and it just felt fun. It felt felt really good. Have you re-listened to it lately? Not lately. Do you re-listen to episodes very much? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, so I make sure I listen to each one of them once. Like as they come out? As they come out, yeah. Uh, I think I'm on a two-week delay right mm-hmm. now, though I haven't gotten them all. I was trying to be a better podcaster and listen to other people's podcasts casts mm-hmm. which then delayed ours yeah, a little fair. bit and then I got really tired of listening to people talk on my commute and I'm back to like heal your sacral chakra meditation with this <laughs> chant so that's a YouTube channel that's just constantly playing on my two hour daily commute yep yeah, yeah I, I re-listen to episodes but not as frequently as I want to just mm-hmm. by virtue of being worded out at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's not even that you're not wanting to listen to our stuff. It's that you just don't want to listen to any words. Just don't want to listen to any words. And if I re-listen to them, I listen to your episodes. Oh, really? I'd much rather hear you talk than hear me talk. Funny. Not only do I like the quality of your voice, anyway, like I hate listening. I think I feel really like nasally and awful oh, hearing yeah. my own voice. So I'd rather listen to yours because I think it's pretty. I just like you telling me stories. So you still haven't gotten that, like, just used to hearing what your voice sounds like on tape thing? Not the way you have. Mm-hmm. No, I know that being a lecturer and stuff like that. That helps. Um, that you've probably gotten used to listening to yourself talk. It's not as gross. It used to really, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it at all. And I'm okay with it now, but I still yeah. don't prefer it. I think the editing helped a lot, too, because every oh, episode yeah. I've listened to, like, <laughs> two or three times yeah. before it even gets onto mm-hmm. the main feed. Mm-hmm. Usually I will edit it, and then I will put it on early access for patrons, yeah. and then if I've left myself enough time, then I will wait a couple days and then listen to it on the patron feed yeah. so that 
I can hear if there's anything that I left in it. Cause I edit at like 1.3 or 1.5 speed. Right. And sometimes there's stuff that sounds fine like that. And then you're like, Oh, that's a weird pause or a click. Right. And then there's some that I go back to a fair amount. And sometimes I just go back cause I'm like, I want this content again. Yeah. I listened to our tag episode before I watched the tag movie. There you go. We did better. We did a lot better. Mm -hmm. You said there were a couple reasons why you didn't like that. I don't like jokes about miscarriages and waterboarding. I'm just a humorless feminist. You really are. Wow. Just a liberal (laughs) doing, (laughs) hating on comedy. Humorless. Humorless. Completely humorless. What did that guy call me online this week? Uh, 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 A liberal Seattle intern. Daring to use, really, none of those words are insults. In a, yeah, right. <laughs> like, well, well, yeah. Like, no, they paid me for this. That'll piss yeah. you off more. I get paid fifty five thousand dollars a year. Thank you very much. To once upon pink a time, there was such a thing as a paid internship. I'm told. Uh, I guess that was yeah. before our time. Yep, the oh, days of the damn. dinosaurs. Oh, damn. <laughs> All right, another favorite I had of yours was small town big art. Which I had oh. like a crisis of identity in the middle of editing because I went, I don't think this is weird at all. But then <laughs> I was like, but it's just good. But it's good. Yeah. And it is weird because there's a lot of like pro tips and tricks mm-hmm. and stuff that you've seen around and you don't know what it is, but here's what it is and here's the story yeah. behind it. And some of the yeah. pieces themselves are legitimately like, this is a giant radio flyer. <laughs> This is a goat that eats garbage. I'm wearing a hoodie with a garbage goat on it right now. If you don't think that shit's weird. And my podcasting crown. (laughs) This is a good podcasting crown, friends. It's very forest elfin fairy with a giant jewel on it. Liz Mm -hmm. saw it in this store in Roslyn and immediately went on her head. Yep. And then you bought, what, two others? Three others? Two others, because you can't come home with something to, like this yeah. without a decoy to throw at the ground for the five-year-old. For the, yeah. So what's the third one for? So Matt's not left out. Oh, my God. I will let you know all. I did not get a crown. Do you want to wear one? Nope. It'll just make me wish it was mine forever. I'm sorry. I wear the crown in my heart and in my soul. Sounds like a crown of emo thorns from over here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. Here, let me compliment. <laughs> God. See, that's what we cut. That's oh what you God. don't get is, us, is just how often your tongue will trip. Our tongues trip. And then you, words that you've known your whole life, when you say them into a microphone, yep. you don't know. Nope, you don't know. That, I think, went out of the first episode is you mispronounced Anglican. Angelican. And then I confidently mispronounced it in a different direction and corrected you. <laughs> and I think I threw that out, or it might still be in there. I have not listened to the early ones. I can't listen to the early ones. The audio quality is so bad. Devo had the reverb up in her garage. Yes, band. I did. Oh, oh my style. God. Well, that's, I, I feel like that's such a problem with me, is I've read a lot of words, and mm-hmm. I've never heard them spoken, so I'm just taking my best guest yeah at how it's said anytime somebody has talked to me about the podcast and been like why does Devin say jag jaguar i think that's how you pronounce jaguar. it jaguar yeah say it again jaguar 
Yeah. I just say it's regional. And they're like, what region? I'm like, the region of I don't care. <laughs> the region of. <laughs> Who has said that? How are you supposed to say Jaguar? Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> Jaguar. The wire. Jaguar. Much like our discussion about the plural of octopus. Our official policy mm-hmm. is, you know the fuck we meant. You know the fuck we meant. What was I saying? Oh, people at work think it's funny that I say coyote. They call it a coyote? Yeah. Both the, are fine. You he, know the fuck I meant. You know the fuck I meant. Coyote sounds better. No, well, what do you coyote. call the Roadrunner's nemesis? Wiley Coyote. Because that's his fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> that's his fucking name. They wouldn't call him Wiley Coyote. So you're saying you say coyote and you're... No. Okay. Coyote. But you're thinking his last name is Coyote because then it sounds like Wiley? Or that's just his name? It's just his name. Unrelated. I mean, they, they his name sounds is Wiley better. Coyote and he's yeah. a coyote. His name is also Wile. E is the middle initial. Coyote. Wile E. Coyote E. Yeah. Wiley Coyote. And you say it all at once. But it, you're giving me a look. But the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, if I'm looking at the dog that's not a wolf and it's not domesticated, it's Coyote. And it goes and lives with the jaguars, apparently. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I'm on board. I don't know. What do you call a, a tiny lobster? The first word that pops oh, into your crayfish. head. I think I call him a crawdad. But again. I would also know what you meant. Right? Or a crawdaddy. Mm-hmm. Or a crawfish. Or a crayfish. Or a crudle doodle. Like, you would fucking know what I meant. What's like a little stream of water that runs through the woods or something? Starts with a C. Well, okay, so it's a creek. Okay. But everyone I'm from calls it a crick because they're from the Midwest. Exactly. Yeah. But it's definitely a creek. And we live in Washington, not Washington. Yeah, we don't live in Washington. I can't abide that. Sorry. No. No. Okay. My next favorite one of yours? No, I want you to tell me if you like small town big art or if you... It didn't register as one you like particularly. You know, I liked it, but I don't, it doesn't stand out for me. And I don't know if it's because I've done versions of that episode for art school projects Hmm. before. I mean, I did a big art project at the Falls on Spokane Art. Um, It was great. I love some of the art that Spokane has. I love that we have Harold Belays and Transcend the Bullshit as a phrase. I think those are wonderful. But it didn't, that didn't stick out for me as one of my top three episodes that I told you. Cool. I think I'm also near a lot of the stuff we talked about, so I pass it all the time and think about what you said about it. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's one that I loved your Manitou episode. Yeah. I love, that's the one I go back to as the standard. I mean, it had hell trolley. It had baby wolverines. Yep. It had uh, men being like fucking bitch slapped off of public transport. I think they were baby coyotes and they thought they were wolverines yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that what he said that he like came up with two of them and he goes, yeah. here you are, some baby wolverines. Yep. And they were coyotes. They were coyotes, guys. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It just- and it was the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Manitou was the first one where I was like, this particular collection of information doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. Like, even a book about Manitou doesn't have the coyotes, Wolverine puppies. Right. The table stacking. God, that's right. Kirtland Cutter getting kicked in the ass. The hell trolley with the sparks flying. Yes, the bear chain, the bear cage. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
What else? There were a couple other very specific yeah. things you came up with. I'd forgotten the, f- the table stacking. That's the, funny. The fact that the Duncan Gardens are sunken, sunken because we walked off with all the topsoil. Yep. That's a lot. Yep. So, yeah, that was solid. I wish it didn't have the clicks in it. Mm. But that was before we understood what was happening with compression on your audio. That's right. Or something. It was something to do with, like, how fast your computer could yeah. record. And it would have yeah. these little blips. I wonder if I could go back now with what I know about editing and fix it. Possibly. Could be worth a shot. Okay. But that didn't make your top three episodes that you've told me, huh? I've thought about it, but I also thought that I have sung its praises before. Yeah. So I want to talk about something else. So besides Witch's Castle, my one where I'm like, I had control of the narrative. It was so organized. And every time I listen to it, I'm impressed with myself mm-hmm. was Portland Pinball Wars, <gasps> which I think of as oh. like the very end of our first season yeah. because we got 50 episodes and we switched the theme song. Uh, yep. We didn't really switch anything else about the format. No. But Portland Pinball Wars because straight up when I was writing my notes and I allude to it, I'm like, chapter one. Yeah. This. And so because yeah. it's like this era in Portland's history, but there's these distinct chunks mm-hmm. of here's why pinball is scandalous. Here's mm-hmm. what organized crime was. Here's who Tempest Storm was and what happened with right. her. Here's right. who uh, No Sin Dorothy was yeah. and what's going on with her. I feel like it's a very tight episode. Yeah. I'm proud of yeah. that one. That was a very good one. That's mm-hmm. I don't care about pinball in the same way that I don't really care about video games, but that yeah. and Polybus, Polybius, 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 yeah. psych myself out there again with the words. <laughs> uh, those I'm just like, oh, well, this is not something I would have ever researched for mm-hmm. myself because I don't care about it enough to read about it. But you bring it to me and I'm like, oh, no, wait, this is fascinating. I should yeah. care enough. To read about this, because this is cool. The Yeah, well, because I feel like it's not that pinball itself is so fascinating, mm-hmm. but it amazes me. Just like with your magician statue in <laughs> Everett, the people were like, we have to outlaw these devil yeah. machines. <laughs> they will bring about the end of society. They're going to lure children into gambling, and from then they're going to go see Tempest Storm, mm-hmm. and it's just all downhill. Yep, it is a gateway plug. <laughs> Do you plug in pinball machines? It's funnier if you do. Probably some of them now. Yep. The ones that play little songs. Yep. Doo-doo-doo. So yeah, I liked Portland Pinball Wars. Uh, I have... I have one last favorite for you mm-hmm. and two you haven't talked about that are my favorites. Oh, okay. I only have one more of each of ours. Um. Oh yeah, that's not open. Is that a cute label though? Yes, that's kind of what I want our maps to look like. Yeah. Just that kind of... I got, oh, it's a different kind of cork. Sorry. I don't know why I was thinking you needed something like a church key, not a corkscrew. You know. You know. <laughs> you know, a bottle's open? Yeah, a bottle opener. You could open one with a church key if it was the right kind of bottle. Yeah. Yeah. A beer bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot what you were drinking. That's fair. Um, but this is apropos, and I'm going to make it so you can't cut it out. God damn it. <laughs> one of my favorites uh, to tell you about was the sour toe cocktail. That's my third favorite of yours. Is it? It was it's so upsetting. Oh my god! Why do you like it? Because I'm so upset through the whole episode. Mm-hmm. It makes me laugh to listen to it, mm-hmm. and it's so Alaska that this still happens. Yes, and yes. it's so Alaska that people are still donating toes. <laughs> <laughs> and barf. It's so. 
it's such a straightforward thing. Yeah. yeah. That just you have to stop and think about for a long minute. Yeah. Yeah. And I just found that very special. And it was purely a thing I'd never heard of before. And I don't know if my brain had just rejected it every time I encountered it. That's fair. Possibly. I'd never heard about it until Evan, this guy who worked at the Boston Museum I worked at, mentioned it. And I was like, hold the fucking phone. You're like 22 and you're longboard without a helmet. How do you know anything more than I know? <laughs> you know this? You know my neck of the woods? Huh. And it's weird? How had I never encountered that before? Mm. And you usually don't do food and drink ones. No, I don't. Usually I do that. Mm-hmm. So I liked... I liked you kind of getting into that territory with the most bizarre possible option and the Ooh. crime aspect mm-hmm. of the... Uh, mm-hmm. Just fantastic. It just makes me smile to think about because it's so upsetting to people. I think that was one of your many ones that you didn't think would be long enough for an episode. I think you're right. It was. It was solid. I should bring you more of those where they're short and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta slow down. Mm-hmm. take a breath and let you actually play back with me. So so many of them where I'm like, okay, now this is enough material for an episode. I feel like I'm talking at 1.5 speed already mm-hmm. to try to get it out and to try to remember it all. And I don't pause to let you talk. That's hard. I do the same. And that's part of why Vanport was so tough to edit is because I was listening back to it. And I'm like, you just did not let down talk. <laughs> woman <laughs> which i do think in some ways is a flaw of recording remotely yeah for sure where it just it's easy to forget that you're in a conversation yeah. i sometimes even close my eyes yeah. when i'm talking yeah mm. yeah but yeah sourdough cocktail was great oh man all right well i've got my last my all-time favorite that you've recorded and then my all-time favorite that i've recorded and i oh, think that's what you have left order. too no, I you. Oh, I did them in order. Yes. Yeah, I don't have an order. My favorites of yours are Sour Toe Cocktail, Small Town Big Art, and DB Cooper. I could put lots Fuck. more on the list. Fuck. I'm glad that I. Okay, my favorites of yours. I mean, I had to have Raleigh Faulkner in there. Mm. My favorites of yours are Witch's Castle, Manitou, and the fucking Beavers, man. Oh. <laughs> 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 Oh God, I got her again. It's been two years. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. It's the go-to story I have for like any, when anybody's like, Devin, tell me a story. That one I can just balls on into. And I probably don't have the details right anymore, but I can at least say there was a little town in Idaho with a beaver problem. Mm-hmm. Here's how they fixed it. Surplus World War II parachutes. Oh my God. Oh my god, it makes me so happy. The fact that it was real, the fact that the one that they tested it on was named Geronimo, the fact that only one of them died because it, like, chewed its way out. Because it ate itself out of its box mid-flight, you Mm -hmm. fucking idiot. Oh god, that's Darwinian. Yeah, exactly, the genes of that beaver didn't need to continue. How confused the beavers must have been. (laughs) At some point, I do want to do, like, an art print or something, and by... Do yes. I mean you? Is like yes. a a parachute and a beaver in like I want them to have little aviation goggles yep. and have yep. a little harness, not yep. in a box like really happened. Nope. I'm it's absolutely happening. It's going to be a screen print. I, I've yes. already got it in my head. Is what we're doing. Oh, it's so good. And then if people don't believe you, you can show them the video. And the fact <laughs> that the video exists is great. 
And then it has this whole like careers in science voiceover the whole time. Everybody's taking it so fucking seriously. (laughs) It just reminds me of like when when they do the aerial footage of planes stalking lakes with trout and they (laughs) (laughs) Good luck! <laughs> the worst day of that trout's life. So upsetting. For it doesn't even know. <laughs> That's my favorite one you've ever done. <laughs> my third on my mm. list of favorites was Stagecoach Mary. Oh yeah, because she's one of my favorite Fuck. people to have learned about. Yeah. And of course, I'm seeing it through like the editor perspective too, where I'm like, I know there are things that could have been better on the sound with that. Yeah. But Mary is someone who. Of anyone we've covered, I would be most likely to stop if I was, like, flipping channels yeah. and saw a show about her. Yeah. I know since we put that episode out, she actually appeared as a character on this show called Hell on Wheels, which I don't know very much about. Okay. And never got into. Yeah. But it looked like they cast her as, like, a young, attractive, like, who's that actress that's been in, like, everything that they like to put paint on her? Zoe Saldana. There you go. Anyway, Zoe Saldana. Yeah, they cast her like a that type instead of like a Leslie Jones type. That bums me out. It should have been a Leslie Jones type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should have been. But if that's the gateway people need to mm-hmm. learn about a badass female historical figure, I'm glad I'm not the casting director who has to justify that decision, but I suppose I want people to learn about Mary Fields. So. Yeah, exactly. Good Stage for you coach. for telling your story. Stagecoach Mary Fields is so cool, so aspirational, and I mentioned this in our original cut of the episode, and then I cut it out not because I was scared, but because we didn't quite stick the landing Mm -hmm. on describing the issue. But the dollop also did an episode on her Mm -hmm. that had a shit ton of transphobic jokes in it. For fuck's sake. Yeah. The dollop, really? Yeah. Fuck them. Where they just made a bunch of jokes about how because she was tall and strong and wore pants, therefore she was secretly a dude or secretly had a dick. I'm not sure what the joke was supposed to be because it wasn't funny. Right. But I was so disappointed. And normally I feel like they do a solid job, but that was just such a weird obliviousness area that... I felt the need to do it right and yeah. do it better. So I'm happy that I did what I felt like was a pretty good job. Yeah. She's one who I would love us to go see her grave sometime. Mm, and, and make a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of newspaper clippings on her. I own a lot of books about her. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I don't get to do as much with the stuff that I really wish I could dig into, like, you know, the Black West or right. stuff like that, just because... That's five books. Right. And The Witch's Castle is three pages in Weird Oregon. You yeah. Know? And you're just on a crunch. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. So, yeah. World enough in time. Yeah. Never. Okay. Was that all of them or did you have one more? I have one more favorite that I've done. And Ooh. it was uh, the Shunkawarakin Swimming Wolves of BC. That was very high on my list for yeah. you as well. Yeah. I like them. I like that it was a pair. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Which we've done a couple times with the cryptids. Like, we've done, you yeah. know, the, the beavers and the Pacific tree octopus were in the same episode. Yeah. Yep. Shunk of work and, and the swimming wolves were in the same episode. Yeah. Yep. Um, cool. I like that one because it was a, I mean, it was a Montana story, mm-hmm. which 
Washington and Oregon are really easy for us being from those two places, yeah. or at least having lived our lives in both of those places. Uh, but I like that it was in Montana. I love that it's about animals. Of course, it's about wolves, which is high on my love list. And then it's a cryptid that they've got the remains of. I mean, missing for a generation mm-hmm. and then showed up again in, what, like 2007 or something yeah. like that? They've got a something. They've got a something. I don't think it's... I mean, if that was the original Shunk of Warrigan, then I don't know what all the fuss was about, because that does not look like a dire wolf hyena. It looks like a bad taxidermy normal wolf. Like, not even a big timber wolf. Just mm-hmm. like a, a normal kind of plains wolf. Maybe even a um, coyote. Maybe even a coyote. T. <laughs> I wasn't messing with you. <laughs> yeah. But I also really like that we were able to interleave that with the Swimming Wolves of BC. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you, A, thought I was fucking with you. Yep. Helps me enjoy that more. And then B, that it, I mean, it's just a cool, real new thing. And that it's so here and it's so present. Mm-hmm. And National Geographic just did a big story on it. But people were still going, oh, I'd never heard of that. Can't be right. And the fact that it's not just like sometimes a wolf swims. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a whole separate population. A whole population. With like different bodies and yeah. different diets and yeah. different habits. And like they yeah. don't like the inland wolves. Yeah, yeah, they don't like them. They've already had enough genetic separation mm-hmm. that they're they're not a subspecies, but they're different. They're yeah. markedly different. That's very cool. So rad. I will say on the early episode where we did the beavers, which I think is like 11 yeah. or so, 11 or 12, because we were recording them back to back and I didn't know we were going to put them together yeah. at the time, I kind of do it, I intro it a little bit hoaxy and kind of talk about it like it's a real thing and then switch to talking about the hoax. And I wouldn't do that if mm. I were doing the episode now. Okay. Even... I, I would introduce it as, here's how the story goes, instead of, here's this thing. I see. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like if you bailed out right at that point, you'd be like, God, they're gullible. Then you, yeah. Mm-hmm. You mean the, the tree octopus. The tree octopus, yes. yeah. Although you do have a tree octopus specimen at your house. <laughs> Liz <laughs> a made, big glass. Liz made me the best birthday present. I'm sorry, Liz found... I mean, <laughs> how, the kayfabe did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, tripped up. I've got this beautiful now close jar complete with tiny evergreen tree adorned with an octopus crawling through its branches. Mm. And when Liz figures out how to mass produce these, we'll be rich. She'll be rich and I'll steal money from her. Cool. Because everybody's going to want one of these. I want one. I got to make anyone. Uh, okay. So those were our favorite episodes. Those are our favorite episodes. They're yeah. good episodes. They're very good. All right, we wanted to talk as well about how we make the show. Yeah. Research. I feel like that's a question that we get mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. and where you get ideas for stories. When we started, I was making the big list yeah. just by searching weird Northwest, weird yeah. Washington, weird Idaho, yeah. and opening 5,000 tabs. Oh my God. Did, so many tabs. And did the same thing with the library. Just yeah. looked, like literally every regional yeah. thing to see if it looked interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I still do that. I go to Auntie's or we went to a bookstore today and I almost spent $24 I didn't need to spend <laughs> on a book. <laughs> I was proud of you for talking yourself out of that. You held it for a while. I did. Yeah. Sometimes that yep. satisfies the part of my brain that wants to acquire things. Yeah, that I works for me. we got it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've told you that about Target. I just got to hold something. And I'll mm-hmm. tell that to Jason where like I just I don't want to spend money on this, but I have to walk around the store holding it. 
Yeah. And then that's all my brain needed. Yeah, until the rush of possession goes away. Yep. And I'll go put it back and I'll, I'm fine. Yep. Totally cool with it. Somehow that works. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of nice regional history and strange story books yes. from people. Sometimes people contact me with stories. I'd say it's 50-50 whether it's a story that we can do or have already done. But right. I really appreciate the outreach. It's really sweet. We get a lot of emails, well, mm-hmm. mostly Facebook messages, but mm-hmm. people bringing us ideas. Yeah. And it is really cool. Even the ones where they're like, hey, I know this isn't your region, but I think you should do a story on this. And I have to write back and say, that's not our mission statement. We're not going to write a story on it. But now, yeah, I'm totally going to go look up the Nazca lines. Thank you. Right. You like, know? Just because I, I can't do an episode on it for Ouija Brothers doesn't mean I'm not completely fascinated. Oh, God. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm not completely, <laughs> utterly consumed by it or can't then go down a wiki click hole that mm-hmm. will take me to something or I can reference it in a later episode or yeah you've had some really good really good networking with like local historians mm-hmm. too which I haven't done somewhat of by virtue not being on Twitter which is where mm-hmm. they hang out and also by not being in Spokane yeah but you've found some really generous Uh, people willing to donate time and thoughts. I have, and I'll specifically thank Larry Sebula and Garen Hertel, who have been very helpful. Larry runs the Spokane History Buffs Facebook page, Mm -hmm. and Garen does Nostalgia Magazine. Nostalgia Magazine is a source that I like to use, even before we were writing for it. But I think I randomly join a lot of groups on Facebook, Mm -hmm. and then a lot of them are trash. And the ones that are good, you stick around, and you end up hearing the same thing, and getting connected, and reaching out. Because for better or for worse, well, for worse, I will firmly say I don't like that a lot of the history information that we have is kind of hoarded at this point. Oh, totally, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't think it's that people are trying to be gatekeepers so much as that it's hard to make stuff publicly accessible. Yeah. It takes effort. Yeah. Like there, I know there are people who are always scanning stuff for libraries mm-hmm. and archiving and especially tagging. There was somebody called RM Polk who did very early directories of Spokane. Okay. Someone was kind enough to digitize every page of those, oh, wow. but they're not combined in one document and they're not searchable. So getting through them, I'm like, this is so much better than me having to go to the Northwest room. Yeah. But I feel like I I say it lots of times. I'm not a historian. I'm a self-taught history gossip. And (laughs) the the depth of research that I wish I could do versus what I actually have the time to do. Yeah is so disparate because yeah. historians read man oh, like god they read deep and they go to archives yeah. and even my mom who's an english professor right will take trips every year well she'll go and like sign into this yeah. university's library just so she can look at primary documents yeah. and she's not allowed to have pens and stuff right. like that right i mean i'd rather they have them and not have them online than not have them at all mm-hmm. but it means that I run up against dead ends because fundamentally yeah. I do have a day job and I can't yeah. just live in the archives and interview people right. and, and do all that. Right. But yeah, I've been very fortunate. So yeah. I've always said I'm going to do a piece about why you should do a local or regional podcast. Yeah. And that is one reason that I would say is you have access to local historians, mm-hmm. which means you have access to local resources yeah. that aren't necessarily all in one place. Yeah. You have access to insider info, which sometimes is not 
actionable sounds like I'm a lawyer or something. No. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, now what I have is the information I had before plus a rumor yeah. that I have no way of substantiating, but it's still interesting. Yeah. I think, so that's one good reason, is local yeah. resources, both in terms of the people you can talk to, yeah. the communities that you have, and the the actual locations you can go to yeah. and say, hey, I'm going to go to, in Spokane, it's the Northwest Room, where they have right. tons of archives, and right. I was able to get you know, the, the folder that has the original clippings from when Dr. Han got arrested. Oh, God, that's cool. Yeah, and, and see them and see yeah. all the stuff they have on him. Yeah. That's very good. That's very helpful. Yeah. Okay. Another reason yeah. why it's good to do a local one is you'll pronounce more stuff correctly. <laughs> but you'll also have context. Right. Right. And you'll know if somebody says, oh, yeah, that happened in Cheney. You're not like, I don't know what that is. And I'm going to call it Cheney. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Or I don't know what that is. And I'm going to make an inference based on thinking that's 400 miles away, not mm. a 20 minute drive. Exactly. Stuff like that, and you've got all the context of the spokesman review is the paper that this comic ran in, and it's still the paper that's around. Yeah. Or yeah. he decided to kill such and such person. You know that such and such person also had a house that was here, and they ran the newspaper, and they had a oh, bar, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, you can put the web together about right. it. Right, right. You, you are able to not only pick up the patterns easier you therefore see the outliers easier mm -hmm. but the moment someone says oh yeah he lived over on warren g magnuson boulevard you've got some kind of like local hive mind going like oh yeah i fucking remember no that mm -hmm. that dude is political and that there's another thing called magnuson and that there's mm -hmm. another thing named after him and it makes for a more complete story and also for a more interesting story because like you said you're putting more pieces together. You are. It reminds me, you remember those laminate sheets? I craved them so much when I was in elementary school oh, that people could write on with dry release yes. markers. It's kind of like when you have one story, it's like you draw a little web. You're maybe like, yeah. here's the middle and like they connect to this and this. And then when you do another story, you make another sheet and put it on top. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're seeing dimensionally this depth yeah. of, okay, you know? Yeah. Buck is operating at the same time as Lida and at the same yeah. area. Or Nobuo Fujita is reacting to the Doolittle raid. And before right. he's prominent enough to conduct a raid, Doolittle is buzzing Dr. Han's house. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, this is a network. I'm feeling like almost like an augmented reality. Yeah. Like the pieces of where this was are fitting in to each other yeah. and becoming a part of yeah. each other. Yeah. That context is, you. Mm -hmm. it's so hard to get if you aren't of the region or if you aren't yeah. hyper-focusing on a region. Yeah. I think if we decided to, for some reason, do a show of this depth on, like, Ohio, it right. still wouldn't be a, the same. No. Because we wouldn't no. have the personal connections. I actually mm -hmm. put that as a note when I was writing up Hecla. Where oh, I said, yeah. you know, we talked about Hecla first in our Hun episode, which has a couple things that I might report out differently if we were doing that episode now. Yeah. But I will say second to none is our coverage of the vampire tunnels. Oh, God. That run between the mansion and who elementary school. else would have known about those <laughs> but someone who lived them in 1991? Yes. Yeah, so you've got that personal connection, yeah. and you can go there, and you can see the Corbin mansion, and you can envision 
yourself there. And I think that's another reason yeah. is it, it deepens your sense of place. Cause when I was growing mm. up, I didn't think it was great to be from Spokane. Yeah. And partly I resented it because we moved out here when I was about 12. Right. And so from my perspective, it was just a place where nothing was happening because right. downtown wasn't anything oh, at no. that time. Like we didn't have no. River Park Square. Well, and town. where you lived was not a neighborhood no. yet. It was no. a new development. And as a 12-year-old, you have no way to get to where anything is happening. No. I mean, you couldn't even walk to high school exactly. easily. We, we didn't have know? a park and ride. Yeah. Like, it felt very strange and ahistorical. Yeah. And the more Super that I sanitized. Learned, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this was nothing. And now a house is here. Cool. Right. A house with, I don't know, blonde wood and a dishwasher. Yeah. Exciting. But the more that I learn, the more I feel like when I walk through downtown, especially, Mm -hmm. it's like walking through all those layers of history. And partly I have a challenge with it because I'm not a very good directions person. So I don't go, aha, this was whatever. But I've seen so many pictures of Riverside Avenue over the years. And so many maps where you can go and here's where I work and here's where I live. And stuff like that, where it's, it, I think it grounds you. Mm-hmm. Because I think there are some places where the defining moment for them is very visible. Because that's when everything got built. Like, okay. there's southern towns that yeah. are very like that. Like, here's when all the money was here. And we built all the tobacco warehouses. Yeah. And that's the defining architectural style. And Spokane yeah. doesn't have that. No. But if you put a little effort into it, you can see the history. Yeah. And you can see this place that's unlike any other place. Yeah. And the same with Washington or Seattle yeah. or any town or area. You can learn to see the place. Right. And you can right. learn to see the land. Right. And that, I don't know how I would have gotten that another way. Because yeah. I don't think I would have been as motivated to do as much research as I have and pick up the history no. books and do all the reading if it weren't for the show. Totally. Know? Totally. Um, It would be the end of the day, and I would be tired, and I would, you know, (laughs) watch Netflix. And you would, yeah, it's it's way easy to do. But Mm -hmm. then when you've got a little bit of dog in that fight Mm -hmm. already, and your interest is a little bit piqued, and then all of a sudden, oh my god, it's so fucking easy to find regional history books at the thrift shop, Mm -hmm. let alone any bookstore here has a regional section. Yeah. How do you not more easily fall into that than mm-hmm. you would, like you said, if we were writing about even New York, even mm-hmm. a cosmopolitan place that has a ton of literature you could find? So do you have reasons for doing a regional podcast that I didn't touch on? I have a lot of hometown pride. I didn't mm-hmm. really resent growing up in Spokane the way a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. But I do think some of that was I was I was really self-identifying as an artist at a time when Spokane was having kind of a punk rock artist, not renaissance, but I was really able to find my community and to find mm-hmm. where I fit within Spokane, where if you didn't find that, yeah, it's going to be boring because everything, mm-hmm. they roll up the town at 8 p.m., mm-hmm. you know, and there weren't places for anyone under 21 to be out after 9 but I managed to get into an art scene and then into a burlesque scene and then with friends that made me feel like I wasn't stuck in Spokane, like I was mm-hmm. actually living in Spokane and having a good time. 
So I, I wanted to do a regional podcast because I think where I live is fucking cool. And I yes. wanted to share that with other people. I didn't That's want to it. gatekeep. I wanted to come look at this cool stuff. Absolutely. And I know there's people who listen to it who aren't from here, who yeah. aren't even from the U.S. And it's they, so weird. And they never even come here. And I yeah. love it because part of it is that I think if you grow up in a place... Mm-hmm. You might grow up hearing the stories of yeah. that house burned down in yeah. whatever, whatever, because of this. Yeah. And on this corner, there was such and such. And I think that anchors you to a place and makes you feel like you belong. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to give that to everybody who wants it. Yeah. To say, yeah. I want you to come downtown and see the garbage goat and see the gondolas and yeah. see the carousel yeah. and realize that this is a place that can be part of your history yeah. as much as anybody else's. Yeah. Just because you weren't one of like the descendants of the 14 millionaires that lived here at whatever time right. doesn't mean this place isn't for you. Right. I want to make it more accessible. Yeah, more accessible. I want to make it more available. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. The Kellys, I think, are pretty expansive storytellers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stories that I grew up hearing, I mean, yeah, there was some regional Illinois stuff because that's where my parents both were born, mm-hmm. raised, and then didn't move out here until my dad went to law school. That's not true. He went out here for his master's degree and then law school. But anyway, I, the stories that I grew up hearing and hearing with such bravado from my dad or such good detail and scene setting from my mom and then like learned, no, it's good, share those stories, do that. Like I wanna bring other people into that. I wanna be able to point to a corner and say like, that's where my dad beat up some guys. You know? <laughs> or that spot on the lawn, that's where dad caught it on fire. <laughs> or <laughs> this place downtown. Mom always called it this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And now you've got like that insight. Yeah. I've shared that out. Yeah, I like that. And I think for me, I lived from about age three until 12 in Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. or in a suburb thereof. But for me, the place was upstate New York around yeah. Watertown, yeah. where both my parents' families are from. And that was very connected. That was like you pass Swalia Road and like yeah. family were Swalias or the, you know, Gardner Center. And yeah. So there's that, there's the cemeteries, there's, yeah. you know, here's where your aunts used to have their house, here's where. Grandpa used to work, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then I felt sort of separated and ripped away from that mm-hmm. when we moved, which wasn't fair. But when you're 13, you're very dramatic. Yeah. And you feel like you can never go back to a place. Yeah. And so I didn't. I'm glad that I embraced Spokane. I felt like I definitely embraced Spokane before we did the show and liked yeah. being from Spokane. And that's why I came back because I really liked being from Spokane. I would say from college. Is probably the I was point ask. which I went. Spokane is awesome. Yeah. Because uh, I think I thought I was missing something yeah. with a bigger city and with different people. Yeah. And I have a beef with the Penny Arcade guys as long as I'm beefing with everybody. Do because it. I think one of them, and I can't remember which one, grew up in Spokane and his family was shitty. And so he yeah. always makes these jokes and draws yeah. these comics about like... Yeah preparing for Spokane like he's going into battle in the wasteland or something yeah. and I'm like dude I'm sorry your experience sucked yeah. but you didn't yeah. find your people and that's a bummer and it yeah. sounds like your family sucked and that's a bummer but that could have happened anywhere could have happened anywhere and I'm not saying Spokane doesn't have problems yeah but I think for me as a weirdo yeah <coughs> I choke on nothing <coughs> 
<clears throat> your greatest talent. Go sticks. <laughs> oh my god! You never heard that? I have, but that's just not what I expected from you. <laughs> <laughs> that tone of ah. <clears throat> But I feel like there's places in the world where you legitimately, like, they're small or they're extremely homogenous and you genuinely can't find your people. Right. For me to be able to find my people in Spokane is not hard. Mm -hmm. Roslyn, where we are recording, has a thousand full-time people. Yeah. If you can't find your people in Roslyn, I understand. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with Spokane, I'm like... There's so many cool creative people, and I feel like I just yeah. trip over them every time I go anywhere. Yeah. So anyway, in defense of Spokane, I guess. Yeah. <sighs> Hell else? So yeah, local mm-hmm. research. Mm-hmm. I I see more than I can do at this point. Yeah, I get more for topics. Sure. And I mean, how do you think about it when you're picking a topic? How do you know whether something's a topic that you can use or not? Um, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit ago, and I did want to bring it back around where we're we talk about like, okay, well, is it weird enough? Mm-hmm. I think this is weird, but I don't mean weird as a pejorative. Yeah. I mean, it is an unusual as a, not the standard, not mm-hmm. the baseline, not the norm. So right. I've got a pretty inclusive, healthy definition of weird. I think so. Um, and when I'm thinking about topics, I mean, I, of course I like, I like animals. I like plants. I like nature. I gravitate toward those. I'm less interested in aliens than mm-hmm. any other bizarre occurrence because they freak me out. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a lot of keyword searching ghosts, haunted, spooky. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, okay, now I've found this. How many uh, places online that are hitting with this, you know, for example, the giant Palouse earthworm. Mm-hmm. How many places are reporting on it and now I'm seeing that you all go back to this one article. Like, you all just recycled the same clickbait. Okay, fuck. Well, it's still weird. I'm still interested. So now I'm going to go find research papers on it. Yeah. Like, if I can still have my interest captured, mm-hmm. cool. I'll keep looking into it. I think that helps having a co-host because then I can go, okay, what is Devin going to want to know about this, yeah. though? Is I can't just repeat yeah. the clickbait article because yeah. you're going to have follow-up questions. Oh, yeah. And we've always, I mean, like, you and I know if mm-hmm. I'm bringing you a story about a dog, i got to fucking know the name of the dog or yeah. i got to put it out right away. Liz, I don't know the name of this dog. I'm mm-hmm. really sorry. It's important. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I liked most about the Roslyn Museum was there was that, that original Roslyn pioneer that they had forget his name, but the dog's name was Jumbo. You know, they had had that right there on the photo. And I'm like, great, you've got the information I care about. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That's important. I feel like, yeah, the the definition of weird, I worried about it more initially. And Mm -hmm. now I think we've kind of earned some trust Mm -hmm. with this. That I think, for me, it's like, would I tell somebody this story if we were driving past something that reminded me of it? And so it can be something unusual that happened. It can be a time that somebody acted very unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. It can be somebody who lived in a way that was just atypical. Yeah. And like, I don't want to get all statistical, but like atypical is so value neutral. 
It just right. means that there's a median way that everybody's going, yeah. and then there's a person who did something else. Yeah. And so that's interesting if there's something that that tells us about the world yeah. that they were in. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that, like, Nellie was living the super feminine life, but also yeah. not marrying, and yeah. also, like, confronting poker players and leading expeditions. You're like, okay. I'm interested in you. You seem like an interesting person. Yeah. So interesting as a component. I feel like I'm interested for the historical ones, which I think this has ended up having a lot more history than we initially thought. Mm-hmm. That for the history ones, a lot of it is just, I can't believe I've never heard of this. Yeah. Like on the face of him, there's nothing weird about Raleigh. Right, like he's a crook. Yeah. But it's weird that we never... <laughs> a bad man, evidently. Evidently! <laughs> Which I think was your subtitle. <laughs> yes, I got it from a newspaper. <laughs> Raleigh Faulkner, evidently a bad man. <laughs> oh, I see. Darn. Yeah, he's like, no, he's just a, a toxic asshole, but yeah. it's weird that he crossed over with Manito and we never heard about yeah. it. It's weird that he kept getting out of jail. Yeah. And it's weird... That his family's understanding of who he was versus what I was digging up in the record are so different. Yeah. So that qualifies for me. Yeah. And I, I guess really what it comes down to is stuff that I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is definitely and I a... Think you'll be interested in it. Yep. I think that's kind of my limitus test is, mm-hmm. do I care enough about this to spend my precious limited free time reading about it when mm-hmm. Netflix is so fucking there? otherwise and then is it something that i think is going to get a good response out of you Mm -hmm. yeah because i'm glad when people respond well to stuff but in the end this is i want to tell you a cool story i heard about yeah right basically most of the episodes especially the very early ones are ones where i would have told you about either way totally (laughs) Totally. if i had your ear for 45 minutes yep It's, okay, cool, I learned this new thing. Is this a fact Mm -hmm. worth sharing with Liz? Yes? Cool. Then I can Mm -hmm. can probably say it on air, too. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of talked about how we do the show. We talked about how we do the show. What else had I written down? We record remotely. I don't remember if we've explained this procedure before. It took us a while to figure it out. We have our own microphone. We put our headphones in. We call Mm -hmm. each other so we can hear each other through the headphones. But each mic in the separate town only hears one person's voice. Yeah. Uh, We do a slate, which you've probably heard failed versions of (laughs) at the different beginnings of episodes. Right. We count to three or down from three and then clap. And then Devin sends me her track and I line them up using the clap and then edit them. What do you do with the clap? The clap. Yeah, I knew you were going <laughs> to get all over that. I, I'm all over the clap, Liz. Because uh, it makes a spike when you're looking at yeah. the, the visualization of audio. Yeah. It makes it very easy yeah. to catch where it was. Yeah. If you th- I, there are so many different recording softwares out there, but what we finally fucking figured out is Liz records in Audacity. Audacity. I record in GarageBand, of all things, because... For whatever reason, I was having problems with Audacity, Mm. right? It it kept crashing or it kept not exporting the file. It kept doing something. And so this has been, touch wood, the most reliable for us. But gosh, we've tried Zencaster. We've tried... I can't tell you how many other things. Mm -hmm. But if I were to give you advice, uh, it's to do a bunch of tests with a bunch of different types of recording software and then go with whatever works for you. Because this mm-hmm. is not a setup that I've seen other people on forums 
suggest. No. But Liz has made it work. She's rexetting the fuck out of this. Hells yes, I have. Do you have advice for people who are thinking of starting a podcast? <laughs> Don't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you should totally go for it. I think my big advice is is talk about what you love or talk about what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz and I do both. But also do not underestimate how much work it is. And you yes. will underestimate how much work it is. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is this is for an episode I do at least eight hours of research. I mean, some of them I am not phoning it in, but I'm like mad scrambling to say everything I want to say and write all the notes I want to write in four hours. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you figure for a 40-minute episode, it's eight hours of research, it's note writing, it's rereading mm-hmm. that, it's setting up a time in your schedule to record, mm-hmm. whether that's with a co-host or with yourself, it's editing, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's what, you're 15, 20 hours into an episode by the time it's all said and done? That's On one that went well. On one that went well. Yeah. Sometimes I think we end up talking about the technical issues in the episode just because we'll end up flowing right into content. Yeah. But for every one of those you hear, there's 20 yeah. where just stuff stopped recording, the call dropped, yeah. somebody's mowing their lawn, we've had a dirt bike going by for most of this episode. <laughs> yeah. The strangest things happen and stuff just gets eaten and it's yeah. so exasperating yeah. and it... it Fucks your energy, too, which is terrible. Oh, it totally zaps it, doesn't it? Yeah, you're like, I want to be in a storytelling kind of entertaining vibe, and now I have to be in a tech support vibe, and this is not my comfortable place. Yeah. 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 I would say don't underestimate that. Somebody else, I think it was... We can draw a blank on it. Oh, it was Jesse Thorne from Max Fun said, pick a format that you can do well on a bad day. Mm. And that made a lot of sense. Yeah. Which... For us, like, even when the energy's not quite there, even if it has to come out a little late, I know that when you and I are yeah. in the same space talking about stuff we're psyched about, we're going to come up with something I'm satisfied with. Yeah. They're not all my favorite. Right. And I'm not going to slam any specific episode by yeah. being like, this isn't my favorite because blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Not important. It doesn't go on because it's perfect. It goes on because it's Monday. But Yep. <laughs> yep. But yeah, set a schedule and pick a format that's going to yeah. work for you and be yeah. clear about what your own goals are. This is a hard thing for me because I really love my day job and yeah. I'm very good at it. Yeah. And I say that confidently because women shouldn't put themselves down. Nobody should, but especially professional women yeah. uh, have a tendency to be like, I guess I do. Okay. Sometimes I no, I kick ass at my job. You do. I don't want wage abroads to take over and become my day job, yeah. but do I get mad when people who have 20 hours a week to put into publicity get coverage that we don't? Of course. Totally. I'm competitive. Totally. <laughs> yeah. She's the Scorpio. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one in the background going, I'm so happy for them. Good for them. That's great. The universe is bringing them good energy. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind going, oh, I'm really jealous. Yeah. I hate it. But I also don't have more time to devote to it. So Yeah. So for me, I'm like, we, we had lunch today. I always sat down, we wrote down all yeah. the stuff that we're doing and what we really want to keep doing and what we might sundown. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Sunsetting? Sunset it. And yeah, just I like sundown. Fade out certain things because they were fun to develop and now yeah. we're done with them. But yeah. We'll keep you posted on that. Yeah. But for a podcast, yeah, find something that you feel good about. Yeah. And something I think as well that has helped me a lot 
is going, there's nothing quite like this. Mm-hmm. Like there are Kinda other niche. shows that do weird. There's a yeah. ton of other shows that do weird. There's even other shows that say Pacific North weird. There's even other regional shows, but yeah. I feel like our very specific mix of stuff, the yeah. depth of research that we bring, yeah. the camaraderie yeah. is very solid. Yeah. Oh, speaking of camaraderie, mm. uh, when one of your products is your chemistry and your good vibes with the other person, you better be pretty confident in that relationship. Yeah. Yup. Yep. But, but one of the things that makes this work for us is that it's a good chance to get to talk to each other and interact right. with each other and we're hungry for it. We're, yeah. Yeah. Versus I think if I were taping with somebody that I saw every day at work or right. at home, I'd be like, I don't want to talk to you about anything. I right. told you all my things. Right. I told you all my things. I yeah. told you. Mm, we, our relationship is long enough, strong enough, established enough. Mm-hmm. That there's give and there's take, that there's you can like razz me and I'm not gonna get butt hurt. Mm-hmm. And also I'm gonna be honest with you in a way that I might not even be with my husband, where with him I would be a hundred percent I think nurturing and I would be trying really hard to set this this very good foundation for him. Where with you, like I'm here and I'm active, mm-hmm. but I don't have that same kind of like oh fuck, our finances are tied together. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh fuck, I have to maintain our harmony. Because I see you 24-7. There's almost never stuff that affects both of us that can come into the show energy at the same time. There's definitely stuff that will affect each of us. Oh, yeah. And so I think about over the two and a half years we've done the show. So, like... Bailey passing yeah. was the most recent one. We took yeah. a little break on that. Yeah. Um, I'll just go on the record here. I had a psych hospitalization yeah. uh, early in our first year. Yeah. And I don't think we actually missed a beat. I think just because of the stuff that we had prepared, we didn't have to. Didn't, and it yeah. worked out. I totally would have taken the time if I needed to. Yeah. But yeah. there's times when you're like, sorry, I didn't get out of bed this week. Like, right? not, shit's not happening. Right? Or I mean, I travel for work. I've recorded several episodes while traveling for work. Yep. I moved to Boston. Yeah, and, and back. We still, yeah, and back. And we yeah. still managed to, I don't think that interrupted recording. Uh, I moved, I think we both moved at the same time. That was pretty smart. Fuck, that was really good of us. Mm-hmm. Nicely done, folks. Yeah, and not even counting all the stuff that happens with kids and spouses oh and work and you get sick and right. like... I mean, grad school, I, grad school. Yes, I graduated with my PhD. Yeah. I defended my dissertation. I graduated with my master's. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that was a big deal. Did you do that while we were doing the show? Yeah. Uh, fuck, you're right. Nope, just after. Okay. I think. Just after or just before? I think we, uh, I think maybe I had graduated just before we started doing the show. Okay. So know. the show was just after? No, I don't remember. Cool. I remember I did because I, like, said, hi, it's Dr. Liz, that yeah. episode. Yeah. But, you know, I work on health policy. Yeah. And there's been some exciting times yeah. in health policy since the election. Yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, we did the show through the election. We did it through the election. Yeah. Yep. Which is an explicit thing that I think I said on social media, but I'll, I'll reiterate here. It's not that we don't care about politics. It's that we think that you are grownups ups. And if you want to engage with this stuff and be informed about it, you can go find someplace else to do it. Yeah. And if you need a break from this and to hear about a sea monster, then you come to us. We're your Huckleberry. We're your Huckleberry. <laughs> I don't want you to have to go. I need to hear about a sea monster and hear Davin's beautiful laugh. 
And then you come in, and then we're like, did you hear what those clowns did? You don't need that from us. And it's not to say that shouldn't exist. We're not saying live in a cocoon and never engage. But I trust you got to you got to pace yourself. It's okay. And also for me, it's like from the social media perspective, right? Once you talk about one thing, it becomes then this test of, well, if you retweeted about this issue, why didn't you retweet that issue? Oh, God. Well, if you talked about this on the show, why won't you talk about that? Yeah. And I'm like, because it's not my job to decide for you what's important. Yeah. It's my job to decide for me. Yeah. And it's your job to decide for you. Yeah. And we don't have to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, that said, there's certain things that aren't negotiable. We don't make fun of people for being mentally ill. Right. Trans women are women. No yep. turfs on the show. Like, yep. there's no racism. Like, yep. you can pretty much infer our values. Right. But we don't have to keep you posted. Among other things, it ages shows really poorly. I hate sure. going back to other podcasts when it's a lot of them reacted like this after the election, oh, where it's like all they want to do is process it. And oh. I'm like, now this episode just puts no. me back in that place. And that's not where I want to be. I wanted to listen to you tell me about Yahoo Answers. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanted to hear, I wanted to hear about that fucking sea monster again. Yeah. I, I, I've just got, I've got so much burnout mm. on that with the 24-hour news cycle. This is my mm. escapism. Exactly. I purely have that burnout too. And I like, I won't even let people listen to NPR around me. Yep. Because I'm like, look, I've just been in DC. Yep. <laughs> I seriously, we're taping this yep. on Saturday. I was in DC Wednesday. Yep. Uh, talking to government officials. Yep. I promise I do engage with this stuff. And I'm working, especially if you're a person with a disability, I'm trying very hard not to get us fucked over. Yeah. But you can't. What is it they taught us in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Sometimes you have to sharpen your axe. (laughs) You know, if you're cutting down a tree, but really just in general. I'm not here to judge what you might need to hit with an axe. But that was the thing. I remember yeah. the guy, he's like chopping down the tree. And if he just stopped and sharpened the axe, it would go so much faster. Go, yeah, but he's right. like, I can't stop. I can't stop. I have to cut down the tree. Right. Maybe listening to a sea monster is how you sharpen your axe. And then right. you get back out there and fight the good fight. Good for you. That's awesome. I just know you always have an axe to grind. I know where an axe is right now. There is an axe right now behind me. All you listening at home, and it's stuck in a log, like mm-hmm. super Paul Bunyan style. Yeah. We should go out there and see if we can pull it out. See how woodsy we are. Go out there and see if we can pull Paul Bunyan out. Mm. <laughs> I'll give old Paul a pull. <laughs> Call you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't going to be blue when I'm done with it. <laughs> okay, we did get a couple listener questions that I wanted to do mm-hmm. and talk about. Mm-hmm. One is... From not another X-Files pod, our friends to the north. Oh, they they're wanna, so cool. They want to know, what are your thoughts on Cascadia? Yay or nay? Oh. <laughs> for folks who don't know what Cascadia is, mm-hmm. it's the, I don't know if it's really a movement, but it's the the kind of loosely defined idea that, what, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, and California? Not really California. Okay. It would be like mostly British Columbia and Washington and Oregon. It might have a little part of Northern California. It okay. might get a little bit of like Idaho and Montana. Hmm. But the idea that this should be a region of its own and yeah. be a country of its yeah. own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I was, I've been meaning, I've had it on my list to do. Yeah. People are so sick of me saying that because I, I can only do so many. You can only do but so many is right. there's a couple secession movements yeah. that are associated with Washington. So there's yeah. Cascadian independence. There's the state of liberty, which there's a lot of movements to cut off the east half of Washington oh, state. Right. And then I feel like there's, oh yeah, um, the north part and some of Oregon also talk about becoming the state of Jefferson sometimes. Okay. Maybe we'll talk about those. So I don't know. What's your thoughts on Cascadian independence? I mean, I think that the United States is too big to be one country and to make most people happy most of the time. Mm -hmm. I think politically it's divisive right now anyway. I think that it's difficult to feel united geographically or in creed when you span 3,000 miles. Because the people who live in London, 3,000 miles away from them, or what fucking Siberia, mm-hmm. they're going to feel very separated in creed, in culture, in just fucking landscape. So I think that there's something to be said for chopping up the U.S. And mm. I like the idea of Cascadia just because I like this whole region. I mean, I haven't really considered it seriously because I think it, A, is not ever going to happen and I get kind of pissy with hypothetical games. But I also think that it's not, like, with what infrastructure? Mm-hmm. We, you know, it's like when Seattle, or well, like when Spokane Valley was like, we're our own city now and Spokane itself went, okay, good luck with your no fire trucks. Yeah. Good luck with your no police force. And they went, wait, what? <laughs> you know, it just seems like a lot of fucking work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things, much like a single-payer healthcare system, where I'm like, if I could snap my fingers mm-hmm. and change to that and nothing else mm-hmm. would be worse, absolutely. Sure. Because I completely concur. I think... Uh, uh, I, I, I went five different directions with that at once, <laughs> and my tongue exploded. Yeah, I did. Wow. Oh, rocks. Wow. Mm. I legitimately think the United States is too much plane to fly. Yeah. And I think that the government structure that we set up was appropriate for 13 colonies, maybe. Right. Um, that were all in fairly close geographic proximity and had very limited ideas of who was a citizen. Yeah. I don't think they it works well for the 21st century, and right. I think we've enshrined it to right. a degree that's inappropriate. That said, most people who are serious about secession are mm-hmm. people I don't like hanging out with. Yeah. So I think why I like Cascadia is I like the idea of a term that recognizes the unique ecology, culture, mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. landscape, art, and all that that extends over this area mm-hmm. to say, look, I get so mad at this in surveys, and I've said this a million times on the show, that I, if I am in a survey, like a big national survey, it'll have Northeast, South, Midwest, and West. And I'm right. like, okay, you can certainly, of course, make a case that Pennsylvania and Maine don't have a lot in common. But tell me, do they have more in common than Hawaii and Alaska do? <laughs> yeah, right. What about mm, Nevada and Hawaii? Yeah. Or Oregon and Colorado? Yeah. Like... Those are closer yeah. than but Hawaii and Alaska yeah. in the same group. What yeah. can you meaningfully say yeah. 
about a group that has both those states in yeah. it. Which is not to say they shouldn't be in there. Yeah. But we should acknowledge yeah. that the West is a big, diverse place. Right. And California right. is its own thing. Just like, oh my God. I don't think Texas should really count as part of the South in certain <laughs> ways. Texas is its own country. Yes, it is. So if I were, you know, queen empress of everything and mm-hmm. I were redesigning stuff, I might make a Cascadian administrative region yeah. just because the concerns are more aligned. But even then, like right. there's people on east side and west side of Washington can't get on the same page. Oh, totally. Stuff. Totally. So I actually have a Cascadian flag on my bumper with all my Ouija broad stickers. Oh, is that what that flag is? Yeah. The blue, white, yeah. green bands? Yeah, it's the Doug flag. It's, yeah, it's like three across, like yeah. most flags. Yeah. And it's blue, white, and green. And then there's a Douglas fur yeah. on it. Uh, because I... It's my way of saying I love... It's about heritage, not hate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Get out. Get out of this house. It's my way of saying that I love this area. Yeah. But if somebody legitimately came up to me and was like, we're starting a secession movement, I would be like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing, Ralph Nader? Yeah. But if, for instance, they were like, hey, all these guys should enter into a trade pact of some kind... We should mm-hmm. make a health insurance exchange that goes across these states. Totally. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's relevant to acknowledge the boundaries are kind of yeah. irrelevant. Irrelevant, right. But uh, traditionally, secession doesn't work out great yeah. in the U.S. Good question. Not another expert podcast. Yeah. Knew I liked you. That had a lot of good stuff to talk about. And then we also had a great question. This is a question from Son of Gav. I will just not put people's names out, but Son of Gav is very active on Twitter, is my buddy. During the break, I was just Instagram messaging with them. Oh, nice. Aha. <laughs> I said that if I was a ghost, I would go haunt them and find them loose pocket change. Nice. Yeah. So Son of Gav asked, what about the other made you know that you'd be friends and what do you like most about the other? <laughs> you'd sit and read a fucking book in silence like God intended with me. Yep. <laughs> we just talked about this we today. Did. We did. About how hard it is to get research done at lunch because people yeah. are like, what are you reading? What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. What they mean is stop doing that and play with me. And play with me. And I love playing with them, but I just want to fucking finish this biography of Douglas. Yeah. Of, of the guy that named all the shit. Mm-hmm. I just want to listen to it. Sometimes people legitimately think that if you're reading a book, it's because nobody has asked you to do anything else. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I, there's how many people on earth? Seven billion. Yeah. I like about 14 of them better than books. <laughs> and I'm one of them. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. That sounds about right. That's how we became friends in junior high, is because we both wanted to read our books while we ate our lunches. And if you do that alone, everybody comes up to you. But if you do it with a friend, then they understand somehow. It it is. I think it becomes too intimidating. You can't Mm -hmm. just bother one of them with what you're... What are you reading? Maybe, yeah. It's like a dog between two bowls of food. Yep. Yep. I don't know what to do. Yep. Who do I bother first? Yep. And I understand why people think that it's a good icebreaker. Yeah. Sometimes I would just want to be in my palace of ice. Sometimes, yeah, you are mm-hmm. Elsa forever and always. Um, I really, like, to answer the question, uh, that was a serious answer, but mm-hmm. seriously, you're someone who holds me to a really high standard. <laughs> of and what? Of, of humanity. 
of research. You're someone that I want to impress. And I know that you're not supposed to have contemporaries or peers be role models. So I won't put you on that kind of a pedestal. But you're still someone that I don't want to disappoint. Yeah, that's how I put it with you. Where I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't do stuff and then go, I'm going to show Devin to impress her. But I'm like, I'm going to show Devin because Devin will be proud of me. And that means something. Yeah. Yeah. It it really does mean something to me. Yeah. You're somebody whose opinion I value. Yeah. And whose insights I always value. Yeah. I I like getting your take on stuff. I like getting to talk to you. Mm Mm-hmm. It's also very nice when you've known somebody for a long time and you've really put the work into the relationship where you have, I guess, ways of communicating and kind of a meta communication. Mm -hmm. And when I don't have that with someone, I really feel the lack, the ability to say that I really should bring water with me, but all I could reach was mine. (laughs) That's not my fault. God did that. There's my water. So far away. Ah. What a reach. Mm. Mm. But the ability to to say, like, I was telling Devin when we pulled up to the cabin when we came back, with a lot of people, I would be worried that they, that if something was wrong with the cabin or it sucked, that because I was the one who picked it, it would be my fault. Right. I would be tense and I would be nervous. And I know she's not going to bring that bullshit energy. Totally not. Or, like, if we go see anything and it's not cool or we try something out and it's a dead end. I don't feel bad. I feel like there's that trust of like, you know that I'm doing my best and that my best isn't perfect. Yeah. And you accept that. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for me. Mm -hmm. Like this is what I wanted was to go on a vacation with you to have you pick the place. Cause when we were talking about it, I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the energy to give it. Yeah. And there's, it's wonderful. This is a really fucking cute little cabin with a lot of space, a lot of room to spread. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you don't lock yourself out of the crash. Man, y'all, if you ever get locked out, though, just call Liz, because she mm-hmm. managed to jimmy her way into that door with a bobby pin. Totally did. Single like bobby pin. Cool spy. Super hacker. Yeah. She also figured out the Wi-Fi password for I me. I did. It was on the fridge. Speaking of hackers. Not on the router. Nope. Yep. Nope. So some of it is just comfort because Mm -hmm. we were talking about this as well, that with the work life, sometimes you're like, a bullshit thing did happen, but I'm going to have to like 18th century play prologue this for you to understand why it was bullshit. And I don't want to do that. Oh my God. Right. So work, we can't necessarily do that just because we've changed jobs enough times, but with life. Yeah. And so if you're like, oh yeah. Well, so-and-so and my mom decided to go antiquing. I'm like, oh, I know what that means. Exactly. Or you're like, so-and-so called me. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yep. Having context. Yep. Having depth of relationship yep. and length of relationship. And the ability to have a meta conversation yeah. around, like, I don't really care what we do. Or yeah. I want to get this done, but my energy is here. And right. because I feel like we're both from families where... If somebody says, there's a plate in the sink, they don't just, they're not just noticing something right. and saying it. They want you to do something about right. it. Right. There's and something extra there. Yes. There's a, there's an additional level of communication yeah. besides what was told. Yeah. And I think that is something I haven't completely gotten rid of. Right. Because you still live in a world with people who are like that. Yeah. But with each other, I'm never going to do that to you. Right. Like, there's a plate in the sink, Devin. 
Yeah. I'm either going to be like, okay, I'll take care of this or clean your fucking dishes. Exactly. You will, you don't have to guess what I'm feeling. No. And I don't have to guess what you're feeling. No. And yeah, it's always going to be like, oh, cool. Thanks for doing my dish. You're like, fuck off, ho. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's fine. Like whatever my response to you, you might not love it, but it's Mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. Because there's safe ways of expressing dissatisfaction. Right. Means that you can trust when somebody's content with something or happy or interested. Yeah. And, yeah. and really not have to interpret stuff. Because also, I'm from a family where, like, if you don't like something, you say it's not my favorite. And that, <laughs> you do that. I still not, do not that. Not about me, but yeah. you say it in a very diplomatic way. Yeah, I sometimes still do that. Yeah. But with each other, if it was like, hey, do you want to go back to that restaurant that we ate? And I'm like, eh, it's not my favorite. Like, yeah. I actually mean... I'm pretty much neutral on it. Yeah. It's not my favorite. Yeah. Uh, instead of, yeah. I hated it. How dare you not have noticed how much I hated exactly. it. Exactly. I think we have a really good ability to be honest with the other person in saying, I need you to drive. Mm-hmm. And I can do that with very few other people. I have gotten really good at it. I mean, with you over the years and now with my husband mm-hmm. um, and also with my brother. Where Literally I'm just, or figuratively? Both, <laughs> but I, I meant figuratively, where I'm just like, I, I'm really hungry, mm-hmm. and you know what I like to eat well enough that you're not going to pick probably like the really expensive Indian food restaurant, but I'm able to say, I'm hungry, can you just pick where we eat? Mm-hmm. I can't have a conversation around food right now. Yeah, and I'm not going to, this isn't going to backfire on you later. Mm-hmm. Trust and communication and mm-hmm. experience. I like her sense of humor. Like, there's a ton of things I like about Devon that I could list out. And I think one of the great things about Devon that people might not know is how many areas she's talented in. Mm. And <laughs> are you getting uncomfortable because I'm talking about how great you are? No. Like, I think it's come through a little bit on some of the merch, but you're a fantastic visual artist, Thank a you. fantastic photographer, great burlesque dancer, like, and great event organizer. Oh, this God. is one of the things that I have very high standards for yeah, in my life, and I just cannot handle it, is my time is valuable. Yep. And so, what did you, you call it flop dicking around? Flop dicking around. I cannot tolerate flop dicking around, nope. and sometimes it feels like we're the only people in the world who can count backwards. Oh my God. Oh my God, that is a skill that Liz just innately has that I value above most other skills, which is the ability to just know if we need to be someplace at five, that doesn't mean you put your shoes on at 4.59. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. Holy fuck, Liz. That why is that so rare? As, I don't know why that's so rare. In adults. But you're the only person I know that can fucking count fucking backwards mm-hmm. and get us where we need to be. That's why I wasn't even worried about it. Like, we didn't even have a plan as to when we were showing up to this cabin, and we got here within 15 minutes. Yeah, it was really good. That was really solid. From different starting points. Yeah, that was some biffle magic right there. (laughs) That was pretty good. Uh, Let's see. And and what do you like most about each other? What made you know that you'd be friends? I think we, I mean, (laughs) not to be like... To, to refer you to a different show, but I think yeah. in Best Forevers, yeah. um, which is also available, I think our episode is called Cosmically Correct, yes. it's 14 or so, yeah. uh, you can hear more about kind of some tougher times that we went through and some more stuff about the friendship and details about that. I think when I met Devin, I don't think that when you're an adult, you don't get to have friends anymore, but I think you don't have friend groups as much, mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. this group of people who all hang out together more or less at the same level, yeah. and you're kind of part of the friend group. Yeah. So I don't know 
I mean, I know there was some angst about it for us because we came into the friend group with different best friends. With different best friends. Oh my God, you guys. Like we, we cheated. dumped them because we were cheating on... God, we both went to what? Art Fest together or something. And we're kind of like, wait, why don't we hang out just the two of us mm-hmm. all the time? Mm-hmm. Oh. When I think about some of the friendships that I have and some of the identity negotiation that Mm -hmm. I was doing in high school. Mm -hmm. One thing that made me feel very comfortable with you is that you were, first of all, emotionally very tuned in to the people around you, like sensitive to that, sensitive to dynamics and to people who are having a hard time. Um, And that was something that I ended up doing as well at that point. I was kind of like the sounding board. So I thought I would be a psychologist at the time. Yeah. And also that you got your identity from the things you were good at, or at least that's what it looked like from where I was. Yeah. And so you're probably more humble than you needed to be, but you weren't deriving your identity from how much you hated your mother or from how oh. persecuted you were for being a witch oh, or whatever. Yeah. Which is not to say we didn't also have those components, but totally. it wasn't like the whole thing. Because if that's somebody's whole yeah. melody, yeah. unrelenting, then what yeah. role can you possibly play in that except to just be the chorus of saying, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that sucks. Right. Yeah, that sucks. Right. Versus here's a cool thing I did. Right. Here's an awesome book I found. Right. Here's a neat idea I have for something we could do together. Right. Or here's a, a fun place we can check out. Right. And so I'm not going to put down teenagers of any stripe for <laughs> being <laughs> fixated on the things that suck. And indeed, sometimes at any point in your life, you've got nothing to talk about except that stuff sucks. Right. But at that point in my life, it made you stand out. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. I hadn't really thought about it in a way that I could yeah. articulate. But I think yeah. you were somebody who I could look at and be like, okay, I see how this person is going to do okay outside of high school. Yeah. Like, I don't know specifically with what, but I see the, the adult this person is going to be is somebody who will make sense to me. Okay. Versus I correctly that. inferred, although I didn't know it at the time, <laughs> that a lot of the adults that these friends were going to become were not somebody I would hang right. out with. Or right, like, right. I would never have put that into words either, but I mean, I didn't really go through the teenage angst, mm-hmm. like pretty positive, pretty optimistic, got like my anxiety problem later, mm-hmm. got my depression later. Late bloomer, right? <laughs> uh, lucky but, you. Yeah, lucky me. Uh, but definitely more like if you'd asked me what I was, it would have been like, I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. I read books. I like nature. <laughs> yes. Approachable. Mm-hmm. Like super easy. And they were all, like you said, Pretty positive yeah. things. Yeah. Um, in high school, for sure, I really appreciated that you were God, so fucking smart, dude. <laughs> and at the time, I didn't realize... I mean, I, ha- I had a lot of my own like ego and self-image wrapped up with being smart. And then as an adult, have come to be like, oh, no, you're just like, yeah, you're smart. But you weren't ever a genius. And like you were... Smart because you were trying to please adults, maybe, you know, (laughs) so you worked really hard, not necessarily because you are an angel. I do think we were the only two people in that friend group 
who like had a good relationship with our parents. Yes. And so that was also a factor that like if I came over to your house, your family would like order pizza and play cribbage and have a good time and your brother yeah. would come and like flex his little spindle arms in front of the mirror. Yeah. Versus other people's yeah. families where I'm like, okay, count down until they sass their parents and their parents yell at them oh and it's God. very awkward and then they're compared to me unfavorably and I just sit there feeling awful. Like yeah. if I'm respectful, I'm pissing my friend off, but yeah. if I'm not respectful, oh I'm not being true to myself. Oh my I god. I remember that so hard where for a minute I'm gonna call you out, baby girl. Hated the fact that I would call her parents Mr. and Mrs. last mm-hmm. name. But then after a year of that, she was like, wait, they love you, so I can use you as an excuse to sneak out because I can say I'm spending the night at Devon's who you love, and instead I can do anything else. And it's like, look. I know your dynamic has to be really complicated, yeah. and I know that I haven't been where you've been. Yeah. But also, you're being a fucking pill right now. You're being even for fifteen year old girl. Oh my god. Oh my god. It would be so easy for you. And that's that's a hard thing too to look mm-hmm. at. It's totally off topic, but to look at someone and go, I know what would make this a hundred percent better with ten percent more effort on your part. And mm-hmm. if you would let me drive, if you let me steer your brain in your mouth mm-hmm. and maybe your hands for thirty seconds, I could get us out mm-hmm. of this. And you're yeah. someone I never have to do that with. I yes. never have to do that with you. It's so uh, <gasps> freeing. And you're someone who I'm like, whatever. Like, if you are out in public, you're polite. Mm-hmm. And if you're out in public and you're not polite, then you have a fucking good reason. And I'm ready yeah. to throw down with you. Like, the tattoo parlor has swastikas like on the, the walls. Like, the tattoo parlor with the swastikas. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Not someone where I'm like, I really don't agree with what you're mad about right now, mm-hmm. but I feel obligated to, like, cringe along in your wake like so yeah. much chastened dog yeah. following its pissy owner. But I never have to worry that you're not going to... I don't behave sounds like you're right. a goody two-shoes. I never have to feel like my situational awareness is a level above yours. Yeah. And I have to transmit that yeah. and monitor you. I can trust you and take care of your own business. Yeah. Whether it's like, are you hungry? Do you need to yeah. go to sleep now? Yeah. I think we're also very good at calling each other out about undervaluing ourselves yeah. or about when we need to, when we're handling a situation a little too gently. Yeah. And yeah. trying to be too diplomatic. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's just because you end up in a situation like that, like the proverbial frog in the boiling water. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah. but I'm the frog who just got here. And, and my shit is telling you to jump ex- out. Right. Right. <laughs> you have you have told me 10 stories about this person that you're romantically involved in. And mm-hmm. I've hated this person in all of those 10 stories. Dump their ass. Out. Bam. Out. Same thing with this mm-hmm. internship. Same thing, mm-hmm. thing with this job. Like, whatever it is, I feel like I'm a good barometer for how you're actually feeling yes. when you've already adjusted to that as your new normal. Yeah, I think you're very good at detecting when I'm miserable before I will let myself admit that I'm miserable mm-hmm. because I have an unfortunate sunk cost fallacy tendency. Yeah. And I think part of it is just because I've wandered into a field that has a real culture. Like, what other field makes you stay in school until you're 35? Right. You know, right. there's this really like, paying your dues attitude. Right. Oh, and then you do a postdoc, and then da 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 da. You're never yeah. done. You're never done. No, you're never done. Whereas I feel like I'm good at telling you when you've hit the point of you are 
what I always say to you, I feel like, is there's no nice way to reject somebody. Yeah. And sometimes no yeah. is a complete sentence. And I feel like you you often want when you're letting people down mm-hmm. or saying no to them because everybody wants a piece of Devin. You can't have her. She's mine. I'm a fucking pie and Liz eats all her pie. Yeah, I do. The <laughs> By the way, I hope this never comes off as queer baiting because we like legitimately do flirt all the time mm-hmm. and also aren't straight, but we don't happen to be in a relationship with nope. each other, but we're not doing it because we think people like it. We would do it whether you were listening or not. Oh my god. No, my favorite thing to do is go to <laughs> Joanne's with you yeah. and just treat you as my wife. It's partner. Wonderful. It's wonderful, and I'm not really doing it for an audience. I'm doing mm-hmm. it because it pleases me. I think it's just our dynamic. Like, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. everyone who saw us in Rosalind today assumed we were a couple. Why wouldn't they? we're not worried about people thinking that we are. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's like the fucking European or, or South American, mm-hmm. like, male affection. No yeah. one's, you know, gonna mm-hmm. call weird on you being intimate, mm-hmm. physically or emotional or whatever. Yeah. Because it is what it is. We know what our deal is, and sometimes it involves enjoying double entendres. Mm. We're I was going to say, it. queer baiting sounds like a <laughs> lot of fun. Many things about that phrase I enjoy as words. Oh, that's true. I just yeah. like, like the actual thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what the hell was I saying? Mm-hmm. I'm letting, oh, because everybody wants a piece of you. That's why. And I feel like that makes you very susceptible to people who don't respect boundaries and don't yeah. respect a soft no. Yeah. And I feel like it's difficult in life when someone is already transgressing social norms. You don't want to go to a rude place, but there's no way to politely make somebody stop being rude. Yeah. If yeah. If they're already you, not listening if to you are, saying, no, right. please stop. No, you got to quit now. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. You definitely give me a... Like, I, I, if, if I've got you with me, I'm in mountain pose. Like, I've got my fucking back. I'm grounded. I'm centered. I can be strong. And I hope that's not... Whatever. I won't, I won't preface it with, like, the... I hope it's not relying on you too much. I think it's relying on you the perfect amount for being yeah. my BFF. It's, it's someone saying, no, you're strong enough to, to yes. respond strongly. Yeah. So do that. Yeah, and and somebody who knows you well enough to be able to say, look, I can sense that you feel uncomfortable about this. Same with you saying, I sense that you're having a fucking miserable time. Right. And I want you to know it's okay for you to stop doing this thing that's making you unhappy. Yeah. Oh, okay, I just need somebody to tell me I was allowed to stop doing things that make me unhappy. I forgot about that part. I forgot about that part. Or you Mm -hmm. just think, like, oh, whatever, I'll just... just swallow a little bit. Mm, This is not going to be a metaphor I enjoy. I'll endure a little bit more and then it'll be done and Mm -hmm. it's nice to have someone saying but you don't have to endure any of it like why you really don't and i think having somebody whose opinion you value tremendously observing you in the situation Mm -hmm. also helps kind of put a second observer because i feel like one thing that manipulative people are very good at is making you think that you care about their opinion and so it'll be like well, what? Like, you don't think it's a good idea to invest in a stock that's going to double? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I want to seem smart to this person. Totally, like, right? good with money. Right. But then if you put somebody else there, you're like, oh, okay, they see me also. But, I'm yeah. out of this weird bubble that this person yeah. spun around me where yeah. their opinion matters. Yeah, exactly. Just because I'm talking to you. I think that's part of why I like not answering unsolicited phone calls and texts and emails God. or door knocks or whatever. I'm like... I'm going to cut you off right here. I don't give a shit. And isn't that wonderful? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. 
it's it's you and it's been working in marketing that have been mm-hmm. the two best things for my ability to say an unapologetic no because the first couple times it's hard but when i literally get five emails a day at work that's saying hey i have x product when's a good time to jump on a 15 minute call next week to talk about it tuesday i'm free then and it, it's a it's a great ploy to get you to say oh well they just, mm-hmm. they've already given me a date they just want a few oh whatever and mm-hmm. now i get to say very firmly no time is good for me next week in fact never no Never is going to be good for me because while you may have a wonderful product, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't want what you're selling for whatever reason you're selling it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't. Even 15 minutes of my one wild precious life is not what I'm willing to give you. I mean, it's a waste of their time. It's a waste of their time. It's a waste of my time. It's... And that's been really good. I mean, coming back to the podcast, if you want to like circle around is... There are times where I've got the sunk cost fallacy and you're like, why? Why are you still researching whatever it is that's bumming you out? Stop it, you idiot, and go research <laughs> something that'll make a good episode. So that's helpful. Well, I mean, that's the nice thing about doing exactly what you want is I don't have to go, well, I did this much work on the Reginichi, so I have to do an episode. Right. I'm like, no, I don't. Right. I don't. What do I say in the other one? I don't got to do shit except stay cool and die. Like, this, this podcast <laughs> is exactly what we want it to be. It is. And that's is. fine. And which, that's good. Yeah. Which is why you've turned down the, like, people poking feelers at a show on the radio. Or mm. do you want to help with this ghost television mm. show or whatever? Yeah. But it's and, not what we only want to do when we want to do it. Yeah. So, no. Part of that is also just a strategy I've developed from being way overworked, which yeah. I won't like lament the thing of an assistant tenure track professor. I get paid well and it's a cushy job. I'm not exactly in a coal mine. But right. you will get a million people who want to work with you and have no further plan than that. Yeah. They just want some of your heat. I honestly think that's it. Is yeah. they see that because they see the final product. And they're like, totally. she made a great final product. I want to have something like that, so I'll work with them. Totally. And then you realize they have no follow-up plan. Right. They have no specific thing in mind. They just like this idea. And I have learned at this point to, if you put the tiniest bit of effort back in their court, 90% of the time it falls through. Oh my God. Doesn't It just fucking folds. Yeah. It just, if I'm, even if I'm just like, okay, yep. that sounds interesting. Can you find a time when we can meet and you can present about your research and maybe share two to three ideas of stuff we could work on? They won't. Yeah. What they want is for me to do all the work. Yeah, exactly. And I don't have the fucking exactly. time. No. No. Mm-mm. That's why we worked so well in high school together on yeah. group projects because we both honestly did. Yeah. Well, mostly half and half. Mm-hmm. 60-40. I was the 40. Either way, if you got in a group with one of us in high school or college or grad school, you were square. God, you were, you were fine. The person who was going to do all the work. You were totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing, too, is I feel like what I know now that I didn't know 20 years ago is yeah. what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Yeah. And that I can say no to trying to make shit work that I'm not good at. Yeah. And also yeah. that if somebody thinks something is clear and I don't understand it, I can ask follow-up questions as long as I want. Yes. If their goal is to get me to understand, then they they stay here until I understand. If I'm a reasonably intelligent right. person and I speak good English. So right. if they can't communicate, it, it might be a bad plan. Right. Might be a bad plan. Might not mm-hmm. be a fully formed plan. Yeah. You might not be the person to receive that plan. Well, Whatever it is, 
it's led to me thinking that my work nickname is going to be Machete because <laughs> I, I come in now and people show me their thing. I want it to be M apostrophe Shetty. Machete. machete. <laughs> we both doffed invisible yeah, we caps. did. Because uh, people show me something and I'm like, how are you going to measure this? Yeah. Why do you think that point A and point B have a line between them? Yeah. What's the framework that makes you think that if you change X, Y will change? What's the thing? And yeah. uh, like half the time at this point, people just are like, I'll come back later. <laughs> cool. Come correct or don't. And because I know that about Liz, because I know you have to come correct, I try really hard to come 98% correct to all things with her. Well, that's the thing I trust about you and you trust about me too, is like, sometimes I edit it out and sometimes I don't just because I think people are going to be interested in it. But, okay, well, what happened to so-and-so after that? I don't know. Okay. That's a good answer. That's a fine answer. Oh my God. I don't know. Is it? What pissed me off about grad school was that it was a running joke with when you were defending your thesis, if they asked you a question you didn't understand, you never said or didn't know the answer to, you were never supposed to say, I don't know. You were supposed to say, the answer to that is outside of the scope of this research. Oh, that's a pretty good one. It's a pretty solid answer, right? But with you, and now in life, because I'm okay mm-hmm. doing that with you as my, my practice, I'm totally fine appearing to not have the answer. Yeah. Because if I don't have the answer, that the appearance is the reality. So it's totally fine to say, I don't know. I don't fucking know. There's like a small body of shit for which ignorance is embarrassing. Oh, yeah. even then, people should be understanding. Yeah. Because everybody comes from a different life circumstance. Uh, Yeah. But for the vast majority of stuff, it's like, why would it be embarrassing that we can't remember where Meriwether Lewis is buried? Dude, right. That's not going to be on the quiz. Dude, no, it's not going to be on the quiz. It wasn't on any quiz I want to take. Man, I'm embarrassed and should be embarrassed about the, like, I don't know who my representative is. You know, I don't know. But I'm also not lobbying, not in politics, not in those spheres. So I give myself a soft pass. Well, when the ballot comes, you figure it out. When the ballot comes, I figure it the fuck out. I read my thing. We have this thing in healthcare called just-in-time management. You don't order 5,000 syringes. Oh, my God. You order as many as you need in a month and a little extra, and the next month you order more. Yeah. Just-in-time knowledge. Yep. I'm very into it, which is why I yep. hate when people come in right before I'm about to go into a meeting or before I'm about to teach. I'm like, shh, I'm learning. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning everything I'm about to say. <laughs> there are times when Liz is like, cool, we were going to record at 7.30 p.m. at 7.15. You want to just talk for a minute while we get set up? And I'm like, nope, I need those extra 15 minutes to finish research. That's Okay. Yeah, I I think curiosity is mm. incompatible with fear of being thought ignorant. Yeah. And yeah. I I like there's just too much for any person to know. Right. And right. I have never liked when people are like, it's embarrassing for somebody not to know that. It's like, no, it's embarrassing yeah. for somebody not to know like where America is. Yeah. Or yeah. that we haven't been to the sun. Yeah. But even then, it's like, is that crucial for them? Is that crucial? Yeah. Do they, like, what's gonna... Okay, when yeah. they need that information, I hope they know where to figure it out. Yeah, for And sure. I feel like that's the actual thing that I cherish, is people who are like, I don't know, let me go find out. Yeah, you do the librarian mm-hmm. answer, which yes. is, here's the place where the information lives. Mm-hmm. I will show you how to find the information yeah. with me. 
Yeah. And so the researcher answer for that in my field, if people ask you shit you don't know, is you're like, well, I'm not sure, but I feel like based on what we know from X and Y, Mm -hmm. it might be this and I would test that this way. That's a good answer. Yeah. I actually warn all my grad students. I'm like, there is going to be a question in the defense you're not going to know. That's okay. It doesn't mean you didn't prepare. It means that we're trying to test how you think on your feet. Okay. And so that's part of the process. And don't feel like you did bad. Because I feel like that's what makes everybody's, like, stomach drop. And their heart starts pounding. And then they can't think. Yeah. It's like that thing was going on on the internet. I'm not dumb. I'm just panicking. I Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. I always tell my grad students, I'm like, I forgot what a control variable was in my master's defense. And I went to the same program as I was teaching in. So, and it was completely yeah. like, I'm not dumb. Yep. I'm just panicking. And what yep. I literally said in the defense in 2010 is, if you had asked me this any other time in my life, yeah. and if you ask me in two hours, I'm going to have an answer. Yeah. But I don't right now because yep. my brain froze. Yep. Yep. And were they okay with <laughs> yep. that? That's, I passed. Yep. You passed. That's such a human thing. Yeah. It's so honest mm-hmm. and vulnerable and real. And I, oh, it's lovely when you can... A, find a person you can be that with, which I am with you, but then B, over time or having enough people like you in my life, I can be that a lot more frequently where it's like, nope, this is real. Mm -hmm. This has been our hundredth episode spectacular Mm -hmm. and it has been a blast Mm -hmm. and I hope it was delicious and you had a good time because we haven't had a very good time. We have no plans to not continue the show. I would like to go to 200 episodes for all I know. I'm frankly shocked we made it to 100. You promised me a tattoo at 100. Oh, shit, I did. Where's a tattoo parlor around here? I know. Well, here we go. I yeah. know that Rosalind has one. <laughs> Ellensburg Fuck will. Yeah, we totally did. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we made it. I'm as surprised as anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm as surprised as you are. And honestly, it's like 100 main feed episodes and then probably 120 when you count stuff that we had to re-record, guest spots, lost episodes, seances. So thank you for joining us on this ride. I hope this was interesting. We're going to get back to regular topics. Yes. And And continue to try to make this something that's sustainable and enjoyable. Because honestly... The having fun part is is the key for me, and it yeah. really fits into living weird. Like, that is kind of a mission statement yeah. for me. Yeah. Is part of living weird for me is leaving space in my life for me to enjoy reading ghost stories and cryptids yeah. and all that shit yeah. that, like, when you find somebody else who's into it, your best friend. Oh, my God. And when you bring yeah. it up around somebody who doesn't care, yeah. they're like, uh. And you're like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You are seriously not living your best life if you don't give a whole lot of shit about Bat Squatch. Yeah. You're not living your best life if you don't know Mm -hmm. that a giant blue earthworm apparently smells like lilies when you cut it open. Yeah. I'm happy, and it makes me happy. And so I want to keep doing it as long as it makes me happy. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really do enjoy making other people happy, and something that I love is that we have found such a fucking cool ass band of cool ass weirdos who get that same level of like oh my god tell me more like they get giddy excited glowy they talk too fast they they Mm -hmm. pull out photos on their phone they promise they're gonna send you research material and they deliver yeah they don't think that bigfoot is real but if they saw bigfoot they'd be so happy they'd be so happy Mm -hmm. yeah 
this has allowed us to not only like deepen our friendship and deepen our areas of interest and just general like world excitement. It's helped us create, nurture, and and enhance a community of like-minded people, which yes. is fucking cool. Yeah, and I know the community aspect is strange because it's so oh, yeah. parasocial. Like, you're listening yeah. to our voices all the time. We don't get to hear from you as much. Yeah. But I hope, if nothing else, this reassures you there's at least two people who think this stuff is as amazing as you do and Fuck, think yeah. that you are as amazing as oh, yeah. you are. Oh, we, yeah. We get you and we cherish you uh, because... It would be so sad if there were only one person in the world I could tell about skydiving beavers <laughs> or pepperoni seagull shit tornadoes. Exploding or, whales. Or exploding whales. Or any of Those these things. The sleepiest bandits. Oh, Angolf Snortland, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Angolf. He's still, because I downloaded that picture for some reason, like two years ago, it's chronologically the oldest picture on my phone. So whenever my photo roll decides to go back to the beginning, I just have Engolf's mugshot looking at me. Precious. Dumb, poor face. Dumb, poor face. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. it's good to be weird and it's good to indulge this side of yourselves and to let there be a little wonder in the world. Yeah, totally. And to say, okay, maybe this is what always happens, but isn't it kind of neat when something else happens? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely 100% living weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, mm-hmm. Weejabrods.com. We're just going to keep it short today. Yeah, you've you. listened to a whole lot of stuff already. Yeah, I have. But more than ever, 100 episodes in, you got to live weird. you got to die weird. And stay, stay weird. weird. Thank you for listening. Oh, my God. Thank you for listening.